You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now!
buddies. It's the Ron Fez Show on Monday, September 23, 2013. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. This is a call-in talk show, so your calls will be taken if you'd like to talk. Any subject, anything at all. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I can honestly tell you, if you bet on football, you are mentally insane. That is a fucking sport that is as erratic as the WWE. Uh, there's ridiculous run-ins and storylines, and you cannot bet on this one. I got fucking murdered this week, and though that's probably not a surprise to a lot of people. Um, how does um, a fucking third-string rookie quarterback go into Minnesota and fucking throw it up for the fucking Browns and own a fucking running game? Uh, if you were to listen to Mr. Jerry Barca, he picked them in the Eliminator. That's how much he believed in the Browns. Motherfucker. That guy is on point every week. He is on point every week. He does not get enough uh, love for that. But uh, Jerry Barca, I like to call him Mr. Lucky. I think he's fixing games is what's going on here. There's because... a possibility of that. But Minnesota also blows, dude, while you're sitting there fucking throwing your hard-earned money away. And by hard-earned, I mean you're stealing it from Sirius. <laughs> Still! Trent Richardson leaves and fucking they're, they're fucking starting quarterbacks. Don't you think they're though. a little fired up about that? Yes, they obviously were, and that's, that's why they fucking fucked up the Th fucking Vikings. That's why you would suddenly jump up and say, look, they're acting like the rest of us are a bunch of bitches. That was a game any smart fucking gambler would have stayed away from. Well, I am not a smart fucking gambler, obviously. By the way, uh, I was watching the uh, the Red Zone, and who's the great guy who does the Red Scott Zone? Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen gave a little wink to the gamblers during the Seattle game, because you know, remember when Seattle at the end? Yeah, when Seattle starts, uh, you know, putting in fucking uh, third stringers and shit. Yeah. And giving up some points, he goes like this. Oh, there you go, another touchdown for Seattle. So for some of the people who care, this makes it a little more relaxing of a game for them. Yeah, well, they and went up I'm 45. like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is hysterical. Just yell the fixes in. <laughs> That's all I want you to do. Yeah, they pulled, they pulled fucking Lynch and Wilson with like five minutes left in the third fucking quarter. Um, Come on. Yeah. Uh, well, of course you're going to do that, because if those guys turn around and get hurt... Then everybody's going to be pissed off at him. The only reason to keep it in would be for the gamblers. The game was iced, except for if you gave up the 19. Yeah. Then you're sitting there going, holy shit. <laughs> this is bad. Um, but that's the game. That's the fucking game of the NFL. I know. And the goddamn Packers can't fucking get a goddamn win over the Bengals. Fucking Hard Knocks bullshit. All you got to do is watch Hard Knocks to know that there's a storyline already drawn up for them. And they're ready to go. It's all it's all just impossible. Finns uh over Falcons. <laughs> I think Finns are three and oh. KC is three and oh. Yeah. And um Indianapolis over over forty niners. Not just over. It, yeah. Crush those fuckers. Beat down. Your guy Kaepernick. <laughs> uh and I told you before, I don't like him doing the commercials, acting like he's friends with everyone. Yeah, shaving the eyebrow for Matt. Yeah, when he just lost the year before, mm -hmm. he should have been fired up. He went into straight stardom. He's fucking been acting like Johnny Bravo out there in a brand new suit. And I mean, that was an embarrassment at home. Yeah. An really embarrassment. Bad.
against Luck's old coach. Fucking I'm telling you right now, the Colts could end up winning the fucking Super Bowl. That's fucked up. I know. Ursay doesn't deserve that. No, well, he does because he fucking tanked two seasons ago <laughs> to get the quarterback that he wanted. Um, Lance, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, hey, Ron, at some point in time, we're going to have to pick Jacksonville in the Lemonier pool. I was looking over the schedule. I, I just don't see win. <laughs> Can you help me out, my brother? Uh, there's not as many fucking teams as there are. No, you don't have to. Uh, I mean, there's more teams than there are weeks. You don't have to take Jacksonville ever. The Eliminator pool, uh, I was bullied into it by Chris Stanley. Uh, Mr. Thursday Night. It was yeah, crazy. Mr. Thursday Night, and I was crazy enough to take Fez's advice. By the way, Fez and Metallica the other night, <laughs> totally a fun guy. He was a fun guy all night long. He was old Fez. When the show started today, I saw him huffing and puffing and freaking the fuck out. But Saturday night, I had a fucking blast with him. How does this... What? Where's the switch? It's like the NFL. Being friends with Fez is like following the NFL. Um, I got an email from Paul O today to let me know that Fez doesn't give a shit about the show. And that's his only problem. <laughs> And I'm actually starting to believe that. But I will tell you the truth. Fez came in some kind of... He called it his rock jacket. Nice. It was more rockability. All right. You know, (laughs) than rock. It was probably... But he decided to costume it up um, through his confusion. He was attempting to throw the fucking (laughs) horns in the air. He was really just uh, a fucking fun guy all night. And then later, we took the buses back downtown. And it was uh, raining, and they had the double-decker buses. Yeah. We headed up to the top, smoking and riding through the rain, through fucking Harlem, yelling. Sounds fucking great. People. Yeah, we were having a great fucking time. It was really fucking fun. <laughs> he was Mr. Fun Guy all night. I uh, talked to him this morning. I don't know. The fucking Hicks is good. You know, you know what, what I mean? We're I back to normal. And I was just like, what happened to Fun Guy? Does he need metal? Is that does he need metal in his fucking life? Like I Fez at a concert, I would never think fun fucking guy. Here's what he did. This is like music. He, but this was the thing. He realized that he doesn't like music. He realized that he was out of his element, but he had a fucking good time anyway. He just acted silly and was and here was the other thing about Fez that was the weirdest fucking thing. Anyone that we saw from work, Fez would yell their name <laughs> and wave to them until finally I had to say, Fez, this is a work promotion. All right? We're not at senior week where it's weird to run into somebody you know from home. Yes, you're going to see the secretaries. Yes, you're going to see producers here. Uh, Hard Rock Johnny. How you doing, buddy? Hey, buddies. Uh, it was ama- I was amazed. I mean... Fez, you were on on Saturday night. It was great, hanging, talking, to the point where my wife actually said, I'm so excited to hear Fezzy talk. I heard her say that. By the way, your wife is stealable. Just stealable. No. Yeah, she last. is. Bruce is so right. She's <laughs> Springsteen made it. Oh, shit. I don't even want to get into it. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. I may have to beat up that old man. Sounds scandalous. But did you did you enjoy your uh, rock dog night? Did you ride oh, the lightning? Hell yeah. I don't know if you saw me. I was jumping around. Oh, I saw you when you hit the lights, dude. I saw you hit the lights. <laughs> and then it looked like he was a puppeteer 
who was a master of puppets. That was. Later, Johnny, uh, he looked sad like he was a harvester of s sorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe he'll feel better, but that that day just never comes. Oh. No. And I got uh, really tired at one point as the Sandman entered. Well, we jumped, we jumped way ahead, didn't we? We just jumped <laughs> like eight songs ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny, here was my favorite thing all night. Uh, a you know that the 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 that the place has a lot of security of their own. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. People who will sit you welcome to the world famous Apollo blah blah blah, and they're all you know local Harlem people. Nice. So about halfway through um, this concert. One of the uh, people working there, this black woman, walked up to me and said, I'm trying to find out who's smoking all that weed. <laughs> and when I was down in the fucking pisser, the, uh, uh, the attendants and security down there were like, and they say black people smoke a lot of weed. That's bullshit. <laughs> White people do nothing but smoke weed. That's right, lady. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the bathroom attendant. I walked in, it was like he was doing his homework. Did you yeah, see? I saw yeah. that guy. He it looked like, like he was going for his doctorate. He had like a... I think Bill Cosby got to him somewhere along the line. <laughs> it was, as we were walking in, it was my, my wife and, and I brought the world famous Eddie Trunk with me. And we're walking in and, and we're about a block away from the Apollo. And there's a, a, a large gentleman who seems to probably live in that area. And he just goes, I hear him say on his cell phone, we're being invaded by white folk up here. It is true. That was true. the actual quote. It was <laughs> a very weird thing. I mean, you know, we've done these things before. And a lot of white people in Harlem, but the fact that they were metal people in Harlem, everywhere, everybody wearing the fucking uniform, a black T-shirt, and fucking you know jeans. Yeah, uh, it was a very funny sight to see. <laughs> I fucking sure it was. It sounds great. Then this was actually one of my favorite things all night. It was a very New York moment. So everyone is standing out in front. I'm having a smoke, and a lot of people waiting to get into the place. And you're under the Apollo. Metallica fucking marquee and all of a sudden you start hearing this Metallica music being played loud and a fire truck is coming by and the guy's got his fucking iPod <laughs> hooked up to it <laughs> and they're just blasting Metallica on 125th Street and all these fucking rock people are like yeah that's it yeah that's where the show we're going Fuck to yeah <laughs> metal it was definitely an interesting dichotomy of folks up there I tell you that I kept you yelling sit down <laughs> did you did you see the dude that looked like Pepper? There was a guy in front of me. I, I swear a lot to God, of people. three times he looked just like you, Pep, with the after the haircut. Yeah, everybody looked like Pepper's real dad. <laughs> there was my favorite was there was a dude like in a, a biker jacket and like really tight black shirt with studs on the jacket, and he manages to sit next to Mr. Greenstein and. <laughs> I it saw was that. Awkwardly uncomfortable to watch. He actually was... had colors fucking tied into his jacket. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> that's for real. Well, uh, what did you think of Fez's rockabilly jacket? That was pretty cool. I loved it. It looked like someone gave him a couple years. Uh, we lost you. It looked like seriously, but downplayed a little bit. But if it we would we would have been doing the Stray Cats show, <laughs> it would have been fucking phenomenal. Now, guess who snuck into the building that night? Shelby. Oh shit! Shelby did a sneak in, <laughs> so he's standing up there, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I hope to uh, to get a ticket." What? I go, 
stay on my fucking heel. And he he's walking behind me. I do the thing where I'm acting like I don't understand my ticket, and I'm talking to both ticket people. Oh, I'm like, nice. Is this my ticket? Because somebody said, you know, and yeah. I don't think, and I'm yeah, fucking seeing that. And while they're both looking at me, Shelby just does the fucking run through. <laughs> yes. We find him inside, and since everybody was standing up, perfect. No fucking problems. That's fucking great. Hope you, Steve, a, hope you get a scalper. You know, maybe sneaking through a back exit. All you got to do, man. That, that's the oldest thing. Is just one person starts some fucking problems, uh -huh. and I'm just standing. Is this my ticket or not? I don't <laughs> sir, know. Sir, sir, calm down. I don't know. There's no seat number on the ticket. Let's just scan the barcode. So you're. There's no reason to be so angry, sir. Please. And then as soon as I see him go by, I go, wait, this is a ticket. There's a seat number right there. Okay. Now, do I get free drinks, or what do I have to do in here? And then the other thing that I was doing was just wearing the shades, standing out front, hoping somebody would, you know, offer a fucking sweet taste. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Harlem has changed. Uh -huh. It used to be white guy, sunglasses at night, dude, I know what you're here for. That was always the thing. Put your sunglasses on, and we'll find out where the pony ride is. Mm -mm. No more. The movie Cotton Comes to Harlem. Now it's literally like cotton with everyone's lily white skin. That's all you see there. There's a lot more white people up there than ever before. Yeah. There's I think that uh, 125th Street is going to be the same as Little Italy one day, where it's just like <laughs> pretend like, okay, oh, yeah. look, here's a place to get. Soul Chicken food. and waffles, and but it's getting incredibly white. Well, they're re they're fucking just just making those brownstones up there beautiful. They're, everything's getting refurbished. It's crazy. Uh, Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. So, with with what you just said about Fez's attitude the other night, would it be better if he was not like the the number two on the show? What if he was just like the roving correspondent and? And just kind of showed up at events when when it suited the show, and then you know honestly he'd go back to making producer money. Um, I will tell you, it, for years I hadn't had this much fun hanging out with Fez. I mean, just seeing Fez attempt to throw the fist, and you know what I mean, like he's doing all this stuff. Now here was my favorite part of the night. So Fez had these earplugs that had like toothpicks on them, right? Okay. So that he could pull them out easily, right? <laughs> so it's during the fucking show, and I'm telling you, this was an incredibly loud show. Shredding yeah. every all fucking night. So I reach over and I grab the toothpick thing and yank it out. <laughs> Fez, you just see his face turn purple, takes a fucking knee, he's attempting to reach back to get his earplug before he passes out. <laughs> <laughs> and like later, he said to me, "Until you did that, I did not know that my earplugs fucking worked. I thought they didn't work. Oh my god! Until because it was loud with earplugs in. But once you y yanked that earplug out, he goes, I, I felt like I was gonna die. It felt like you t pulled my air hose out underwater." Where I literally started going down. I couldn't believe how loud that sound was. How come you were such a fun guy the other night? Well, I think that was thanks to my opening act, Xanax. Oh! I was scared oh, okay. to death what to go you, in there. What were you scared of? I, that the I, show. It, was ba it, it felt like getting on a plane to me 
where you're not so much worried about the flight, you're worried about having the panic attack during the flight. Yeah, but one day, one at one point in the show, I saw you had some trouble when you got out, took a little walk around, and came back. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a good thing. Yeah. So I had popped a Xanax right before I met uh, up with you. I'm really disappointed because now <laughs> I know why he's fucking sitting in the rain with me. He's loose. Yelling, fucking yeah. smoking up top. He was having fucking just a Xanax time. Say, my friend, a Xanax fez. <laughs> I swear to God, I had no idea he was eating Xanax that night. Why didn't you fucking share? I was in a fucking mood. <laughs> no. So you were Xanax Fez all night. Yeah. So yeah. you felt fucked up Xanax all night Fez long. Xanax Fez is really fucking fun. Because when you were acting like you were throwing the fucking fist and well, you had the horns going. I also noticed this, that people that we work with here yeah. kept turning around to look to see how much despair Fez was in at a rock concert. Not true. That's how I felt, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm not talking. going to give them the satisfaction. I'll just be throwing my fists when they turn around and look at me again. Nobody was doing that. They were enjoying <laughs> the show themselves. I Xanax felt paranoid. They were doing the show themselves. And, you know, Fez wasn't the only one in the costume. There were some people that work here that decided to meddle it up a little bit. Okay. One VP wore an army jacket. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's badass. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, people were trying to get in that. I'm not necessarily a Metallica fan, but I'm going to throw myself into a thing. Okay. And it was, uh, you know, it was an amazing night to sit there and see this band that's been playing stadiums for probably 25, 30 years. Since they've, you know, you would have had the opportunity to see them play in a venue that small. And part of the other fun was seeing the winners just fucking losing their shit. Like, you would look around and you would see someone and think, they're having the best night of their entire life. That's pretty fucking cool. Now, I also want to tell you this. A pretty little girl caught a pick from Kurt uh, Hammett. Oh, shit. And that pretty little girl is classic girly show. <laughs> oh, lucky young lady, Shelby. Did he just see you and throw it to you? <laughs> well, he was like kind of just doing the whole grandstanding, like thanks to the fans at the end. And I right. was getting up close. And then he like flicked it as they do at those rock shows. And a la David Tyree and the catch. <laughs> I like, reached up. <laughs> Caught it and just feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> Did you cry or were you just holding it? Did you fall asleep with it? Your arms, let me say it. That's pretty fucking cool, dude. Alright, here's the weird thing about this pick. Uh, smell the smoke. That's just from his fucking hands. It's like it's fucking Jesus. burnt from him shredding all night. It's like he's fucking powered by the devil. You himself. look like you're having a great time, Shelby. Yeah, they just tore the place down. I left kind of like, kind of hurting, but like a good hurt. Like, Where ah, did you hurt? Just all over. This The rhythm got to me. Just tearing the it down. The rhythm was going to get you. How did your ears hold up? No earbuds. Don't need them. Don't have time for them. You're did insane. You, did you get the feedback Same. during the night? Yeah, kind of. just left yeah. here and like, have to. Yeah. What the hell is that? Now, here's what it is. <laughs> It's something you're going to regret when you're 40. That's exactly what you're going to... Everyone acts like I would never do that. Fucking Pete Townsend has to do it now. Neil Young 
as if you will fucking destroy your ears. Yeah. Harry Rollins show, fucking, I had just the tin in the air for fucking two, three, two days. It was fucking ridiculous. I've, I've had two things, two concerts that I knew did permanent damage to my hearing. One was Metallica back in the 80s, and the other one, believe it or not, was a fucking bar band. Crazy. They fucking were so loud. And it was just like a drunk, great night. Like, this band is great. And then that fucking night, I'm just like, holy shit. My ear. Next day, oh man, this is fucking bad. And a day later, I'm still fucking ringing. That's shitty. I think it wasn't as bad because one time I went to a monster truck show up close and my friend was like, hey, you gotta wear earplugs. And I was like, no, it's fine. And that like destroyed my ears. So like every now, anything that isn't that is just golden for me. Yeah, you think, but still hurting you, you. Some of this damage you won't know for years go by. It's like fucking these football players <laughs> that only find out that the concussions <laughs> hurt them once they hit 40. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't bother them. I guarantee you, like, all the jackass guys are going to be getting new hips and and fucking knees when they get older because <laughs> that's just what happens. Uh, Charlie, you're on the Run of Fest show. I feel bad that Fez has to get fucked up before a concert, but then I thought about it. I've never been with a woman and said, you know what to make this better? Some poppers. So I think Fez is moving in the right direction. I think anal poppers is tomorrow. Thanks, man. Uh, I am just saying that Fez was a ton of fun that night. Um, at a concert. Nuts. Johnny will have to go back and tell Mrs. Hard Rock the reason that Fez was so Chatty. gregarious and fun was the Xanax. But why else do you have Xanax if, if you're not going to use them? It takes what scared off. you about it, Fez? It, it, I just thought... The sound's gonna be too much for me to take because not only is it loud, you had it, fucking uh, giant goddamn things, and it was still crazy loud. But then also you have the vibration that goes through your chest because it's so loud, and I start thinking, all right, am I gonna get a stent shaken loose here? My, I don't I, know if that's possible. And it was just, it was really fear of the panic of like, I'm going to get in here and they're going to shut those doors and I'm not going to be able to leave. They always let not everyone leave. a great leave. white show. <laughs> not <laughs> like it could be. But you're always allowed to leave yeah. a movie you got a venue or a there? concert. You could have gone out on the street and got mugged if you wanted to. <laughs> This isn't an anti-black thing, is it? No, not at all. Were you worried about uh, transgender people grabbing you? I wasn't <laughs> expecting to see that in Harlem. Yeah, there's mm. plenty. It's there. There's plenty in Harlem. Chelsea doesn't fucking have the whole thing on trannies, dude. And then one of my things was I thought, all right, just count the songs. Just count the songs that they do. What? And, you know. Why? Because that's the exact opposite of having fun. Yeah, that's crazy. Third song. Fourth song. Why are you counting songs? Because right, I figured if they got, you know, up in the higher teens that we would be closer to being done. And I wouldn't know when it so was over. You seem so much fun, but you were just counting songs until we left? Oh, no. I, that was my plan. I can't tell when one song ended and the other started, so I had no idea. To me, the final count was one. They did one song. Right. I have no idea how anyone tells these things apart. When they're switching guitars. And I think you heard the song one. 
Uh, yeah, when they stop and people clap. Did you think it was the same song over and over? Yeah, because there would be Fuck. little like musical segues in between everything. Little musical segues. I think those were also songs. Yeah. The musical segues yeah, that you're thinking of. Those, yeah, they're, they're singing lyrics and playing. Did you take a whole Xanax? Yeah. Jesus. Strip? Doing the strip? Yep. Oof. I remember that Xanax show. That was a fucking fun to keep up to. Then that's how he was. And why wouldn't you say to us, hey, I'm fun because I'm on Xanax? I'm telling you, when me and him were riding back, and there was only like two other guys who would do it, and we'd jump up in the fucking thing and start smoking, yeah. And then people were all happy for us when they saw us up there. <laughs> like, fuck, guys. You're doing it. And like, you know, you're riding through Harlem up high in a fucking cold rainstorm after being hot for two hours. It was like a blast. And I'm like, fucking Fez. This is the old Fez. He's so much fun again. Little did I know, he's counting songs and... High as a kite. <laughs> <laughs> Call Johnny back for me, because he was cut off. I gotta uh, have him give his chick an update. God damn, that's fucking funny. Hey, Brian, you're on the run of Fez show. Fez, if you hate music so much, why would you go and deprive someone who really wanted to go a ticket? That was also one of those shows that a lot of people wanted to go to because it was once in a lifetime. Oh yeah, opportunity. yeah. Were they just people outside, just hanging out? Just yeah. they, they knew they weren't getting in, but they yeah. just yeah, you'd have to go if you're a big. Not Donald everybody can, got the Shelby play. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. Love sneaking into a show. It's the I, best. I, I, well, I love playing my part. Yeah, it's you great. Know what I mean, because here I can feel like a fucking, fucking carny again. <laughs> it's so fucking fun. Yeah. It makes the show better. It's better than paying for anything. <laughs> Hell Something yeah. free is better than paying for it. Hell yeah, I stuck it as a fucking hot dog vendor to Nassau Coliseum to see fish. Tell him that hot dog story again. <laughs> it's a great story, okay? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I get so fucking tired of the hot dog story. All right, I stuck it to the Lowe's, then to the Roseland. Fucking went through the side entrance, paid a guy 20 bucks. Went through the fucking bowels of the Roseland again. That's the pizza guy, all we know. Your, all your fucking things are paying someone. <laughs> you still bought your ticket. It was a sold out show. Because you bought the fucking hot dog suit, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. I got Johnny back. Johnny. <laughs> Xanax, he says. I get it. <laughs> Do you feel ripped off? I feel a little ripped off. I know. Whatever it takes to get me. you through the night, man. I, I ate a fucking strip. I would have thought that was uh, um, uh, a great fucking thing. But, you know, I'm a little disappointed because I thought I found fun fest. And I thought that you did enjoy yourself, but you were faking it. Well, I see, I didn't. I was doing my best to enjoy myself, but I didn't know if that was coming across to people. When you were throwing the fist up, did you really feel the music or you were just doing what other people were doing. I was just being silly at that point. You were being high know, on Xanax like, is what was going on. It looked like you were having fun, Fezzy. It looked like it was fun for you. Like, even right one point, he I reached back, got a high five. <laughs> and I was really scanning, when I was throwing the fists and everything else, I was really scanning the crowd to make sure I was in some sort of rhythm with everybody else, that I wasn't just... Instead of doing that, listen to the music. That's where rhythm comes from. Rhythm is not something that happens visually. You listen to the music, and you're fucking throwing it out there on the beat. 
I couldn't hear any of rhythm or anything else. Maybe, maybe you had your earplugs in a little too far. My ears were very sore at the end of the night just from the plugs being in too deep. Now, did you only ride up top in the rain because you were high on Xanax? <laughs> this whole fucking night, this whole night is fucking ruined for me now. This, it's a sham is what fucking happened. I went home, I said to my chick, I go, I, you, I can't tell you, I saw old Fez. I ran into an old friend oh, in fucking Harlem, and it was Fez. <laughs> and I literally said that. I said, you're not going to believe this. I ran into an old friend from Florida in Harlem, and we had a great time. And she said, oh, I go, Fez. <laughs> he was there. I like old Fez. Pretty cool. Yeah, old Fez is a fucking blast. It was awesome to hang with old Fez. And also, I guess... It was pretty cool to hang with the guy who was going to go hunt antelope later with his little hunting jacket on. <laughs> yeah, he was. I, I was going fucking joke. Fucking, he shows up in a safari jacket. <laughs> Where's my piss hat? Seriously, it was like some odd gay fucking scene that he was into. Need oh, to blend in. By the way, Johnny will back me up on this. Shelby, I don't know what this because he snuck in, did not utter a word all night. I was, oh. I was just going to say, I think he might have said three words for the... We, we were hanging for, what, like a half an hour? He may have said one word every 10 to 12 minutes. Just trying to blend in. Don't <laughs> 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 no ask me for my ticket, please. <laughs> I thought you were being racist by wearing a safari jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God damn, I have a weird fucking crew. <laughs> I have the strangest crew ever. Hicks, I wish really you would have been there. That would have been fucking fun as fuck. Ah, oh, these things sound great. I was on the air, dog. Yeah, you, you guys fucking take off for every other reason. <laughs> and uh, Dave doesn't like Metallica either? Uh, Dave, Dave, uh, Dave likes Metallica, yeah. God, he would have been a fight. I couldn't even imagine if Davey Mac was there. We were, on, we, we were doing the show. You guys fucking take off for every wedding. <laughs> Uh, Dave has taken off for concerts before. <laughs> I think I said that to Fez. I'm like, why would they not take the night off to come to this thing? And then Fez, he gave me a really long answer, which was crazy. <laughs> what? Um, all right, Johnny. I just want you to know, report back to your chick that she yeah, I will. I, I'm gonna, she's going to be disappointed, maybe, Text but I school. think she was overall just happy. Yeah. She Text was happy. She even said... We lived she even lot. mentioned it. She mentioned it to me yesterday. She's like, I'm so happy. I was so happy to hang out with Fez and have him be so, like, seem to be so okay. And then she's also very excited because, you know, we got our big uh, book launch tomorrow night that maybe you guys will be around for. She's very excited because Fez said, I'll see you on, see you on Tuesday. So, Fezzy, if you're coming, take some Xanax so you can take hang with my wife. Xanax. Yeah. I'll bring Eddie some. Eddie book launch. Nice. I'll bring some. Uh, yeah, everybody brings Xanax. Let's all just eat Xanax. <laughs> it's it yeah, feels like best friends. You know, our trunk could use some anyway, so it'll be fine. Um, I, I saw Trunk's uh, tweets that he really enjoyed the show. Yes, yes, he was good. He was. He did enjoy himself. He didn't use the term "sellatica" this time, which I thought was great. <laughs> no, he said he said it was the best concert he's ever seen by Metallica. Which I would have to agree. I mean, I've, this is probably like my tenth time seeing them, and they were really, really good. I mean, you're not going to see them in that thing, and I was very curious of whether they were going to come up and do a short set, or you know, no, you you it went was, to a real fucking Metallica show. That's fucking crazy. And there was only fifteen hundred people there. 
No, man, that was a power set, dude. That was, I mean, they yeah. went longer than they would for a normal show, I think. Yeah, they were and they were playing hours. like they were playing for fucking 30,000 people. That's yeah. awesome to see that show. Yeah, no, it was, it was amazingly good. And, you know, great variety of songs and, you know, great three opener. The first three songs just blew you away and blew your head off and you knew you were in for a good night. There was yep. another thing that Fez was disappointed about that he kept nagging to me, saying the... He kept looking for the celebrities, like at the Springsteen show. Oh yeah! When we went to the Springsteen show, it was like being at the Oscars. As everyone was and there. And then Fez kept saying to me, "There's no celebrities," and I'm going, "Yeah, there's uh, Jim Florentine right there." So, <laughs> yeah. Look, Eddie Trunk's there. Look, you're talking to Eddie Trunk. <laughs> I think I saw Anthony and uh, and Opie from the Opie and Anthony show there. I saw Anthony was there with his niece, and oh she had such a great time. Nice. And I think she got sleepy, and he took her home a little early. But that, you know, yeah, you know, that gets late for the little ones. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, Aunt Hope was there with uh, with his little friend as well. I think just yeah, little Sam, prime time Sam. Sam. <laughs> And Norton, Jimmy Norton was running around getting pictures. It was fun. It was not like, enough, though. Not, not well. He was, he was happy. At one point, he said, "I got to go to the meet and greet. If I don't do this, I will hang my. If I miss this picture, I will hang myself." Oh. And I believe it's true. He would, if he would have missed this shot, he would have hung himself. All right, Johnny. All right, boys. See you, See you tomorrow, tomorrow night for Eddie Trump. Is that open to the public, by the way? Uh, the book signing is. Uh, there's a book signing from six to eight at the Hard Rock, and then. Eddie's party is a private event. Celebrity, star-studded celebrity event with a lot of... Uh, Eddie attendees. Trunk's Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal, Volume 2. And I just hope, you know, this isn't the sophomore jinx where seven years to make the first album, three months to make the second. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. But we're going to be pleasantly surprised. All right, Johnny. See you, Mom. Peace. Uh, Dave in Maryland, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, fellas? Yeah. Hey, Ron, when I was watching uh, Anthony's uh, a clip of his video, I seen the tree stump at the Apollo, the famous tree stump, yeah. and I was hoping so much that James wouldn't kick that thing over, you know, while he was playing. They pushed it over to the side. <laughs> oh, okay. And no one had touched it all night. Like when the Springsteen guys came out, everybody in the band touched the stump to be part of the tradition. Yeah. They just had the stump sitting over oh. at the side. I told Shelby to make sure that he went up and rubbed it for his good, lo good luck in comedy. And I was really hoping that during Enter Sandman, the Sandman would have came out. I thought that that would have been brilliant. But I don't think Metallica understands all the traditions of the place. I'd die to see that. Give him a kendo stick, too. Bring it all together. Um, that's not the salmon I'm talking no, about. Well, you know, both. <laughs> talking about, oh boy. Oh boy. Billy, in New York, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, buddy, go ahead. Hold on one sec. You hear me now? Yes, I could always hear you. Oh, I couldn't hear you, I apologize. Um, ironically, yes, I was just calling to say that uh, I'm only 22 years old. And I am definitely going to have tendonitis just from all the terribly loud music I've played and seen live. Just, you know, the Mars Volta, Fish, Lettuce, Humphreys McGee. I've done nothing to protect my ears, and I'm going to be deaf by the time I'm 30. Well, it's worse than even being deaf because a lot of those guys just get that horrible ringing and they can't get out of bed. 
Oh, God. Yeah, it just becomes this disastrous way to live. That's fucking terrible. It's just having an earaches all day long every day. It's not just earaches. It's just like ringing. It's like that fucking ring never goes away forever. Uh, you know, Townsend suffers from it. And he also, he can't hear anybody. He can't hear a goddamn soul. That's sad. Well, you know, it's cost of doing that job. Nobody knew at the time. Now they all have those things in so they can just hear the music. Yeah. You know, and they keep it down to a sensible level. <laughs> why they hurt everybody else. <laughs> all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Xanax Fez is sitting in here with us today, as well as Chris Stanley. Shelby, the guitar pick hero. What are you going to do with your guitar pick, Shelby? I don't know. Just keep it maybe around my neck for good luck. You fucking girl. Close yeah. to your heart, right? You, are you Close really a Metallica girl, fan? I'm not as big as like all the other people there, but, but yeah, I definitely listen to him my whole en life. Enjoyable show, though? Absolutely. One of the best concerts I've been to. Is that right? Yeah. Better than Backstreet when Backstreet was back? I mean, not, not that okay. great. I mean, there was no choreography, and I'm stickler for that. Yeah, I know. I noticed that they don't uh, choreograph enough stuff. I want song and dance. <laughs> why can't? Why is there? And I rock? don't want instruments on stage. If you have to have them, put them behind a curtain somewhere, <laughs> or better yet, just play a tape. It's better that way. Cause don't it sounds hold like the record. Got to have that connected to your face. Um, I'm just fucking furious about the way football's working out this year. <laughs> it's a shift show, dude. It's fucking terrible. I guess the Seahawks are the only consistent thing. Yeah, I don't know. And you know what? They also now have um, fucking 13 weeks to go before the playoffs. Yeah, so it's... So anything can happen. It just doesn't matter if you're winning at the beginning of the season. Although they give you those statistics that say if you go 3-0, and the chances of you making it to the playoffs are 17%. If you go 0-2, you only have 11% chance. Yeah. I know that the Giants going 0-3, it's I think only two teams since like 95 or something. Yeah, some ridiculous stat where you, it's basically 0-3, you're not going to the playoffs. The gone. Giants are unbearable to watch. Yeah, they're horrifically bad. Uh, the Steelers, unbearable to watch. Yeah. Good Just, thing the Pirates are gonna make the playoffs or that town would be splitting their wrists they're right fired now. up for the bucks though aren't they yeah it's uh it's amazing to see that kind of excitement there well they'll probably do that stupid one game playoff they do now with the two wild card teams i know still... you say that's stupid it's the most exciting day of the year though it's pretty it's fun so fucking exciting. it's worked out really well since yeah. they fucking put it in you're just sitting there going oh my god <laughs> there's only one game it's just like game like we're playing game seven only <laughs> it's fucking fun i'm gonna be happy to jump into playoff baseball and i'm even thinking about taking some time off of uh football because it was just so annoying yesterday. <laughs> and uh, Fez, didn't, you didn't watch any games. No, didn't watch a thing. His, I'll just explain it to you. I know he doesn't like to go in deep. His TV, for two weeks, they're not giving him the main channels. <laughs> and they also don't... Yeah, it's time <laughs> the, fucking warning. The fucking main channels are the ones that you should get <laughs> all the time. Those are the main channels. This <laughs> network is the easiest to get. What assholes. 
<laughs> and then they didn't show up for their service appointment on Saturday. Uh, they were probably on Xanax. Um, so, uh, your Buccaneers that you bring up, just their season is over. They're 0-3 and don't... They look like more of an 0-5 team. <laughs> just like the, them and the Giants. Redskins look fucking... Uh, not only that, RG three looks like nobody. It's yeah. like, remember Cam Newton last year after the year, you know the first year. Yeah. Everybody was excited. They fucking figure you out. They figure your ass out. And in all league. and all week they were saying like, look, I guess I'm gonna have to just start scrambling, dude. Looks, it's like I have to fucking start running this read option, you know, using my legs. There and he was, tried to, and he fucking didn't do dick. There was a very strange uh, thing last night where he was he had scrambled. And then was running out of bounds. And he was running out of bounds. It almost looked like he was just jogging slightly. And a fucking defensive back comes in on him. Yeah. And doesn't hit him. I saw that. Like he was a 38-year-old legend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not a fucking 23-year-old guy. You know, like a guy actually said, I'm not going to end this fucking career. And the, the announcers don't mention it. And I'm like... This is what you would do if Peyton Manning was trying to get out of bounds. You know what I mean? You would not give him a fucking lick. That's how RG3 was being treated. Well, he's not long for this, man. Like, he still has that brace on his fucking right knee. He's, it's, and that knee is going to fall apart. It already has. He already had to have surgery on it twice. Every time he runs, it looks like you act like a, you're watching a toddler on the edge of a waterfall. You know, he's, he, uh, okay, he's okay. He's all right if he gets up. <laughs> Why would anyone watch your toddler on the edge of a waterfall? This is a weird analogy. This is a weird analogy. I know. Doesn't have to make sense. The analogy would be this. Oh, look. Look who won Best Emmy Fest. Oh. Michael Douglas for Liberace. <laughs> What's wrong with that? It was oh, a good it's movie. Like, it's like awarding a Saturday Night Live sketch. Let's give it to the parody. Dude, uh, the old gay man. So you, you didn't get to see it? <laughs> I didn't get to see the Emmys. I don't have that channel. Thanks, Time Warner. It, you would have loved this part. So after he wins, which makes me laugh hard enough because I know you would be distraught, <laughs> he turned it into his speech became uh, dick jokes and gay jokes. <laughs> like top and bottom and this is a two-hander. And everybody was just... Fucking falling That's out. That's great. People yeah. were rolling down the aisle. Good. Because they didn't work enough of that into the HBO movie. Tina Fey yelled out, you guys look like homos. <laughs> it was what? so fucking funny. Well, it was brave of him to be making out with Matt Damon. Um, and taking it from him. He deserves that award. Took a risk. Yeah. Um, the But that was our buddy Tony Hale. Was a big, big winner. Hell yeah, for Veep. Nice. And he did a couple gay jokes. Why was he doing gay jokes? Well, because the, everybody was. It was like a roast for the. I mean, about gay, how stupid gays are. And Neil Patrick Harris is. fucking hosted, so you're gonna. Neil get... Patrick Harris. I may be alone in America, but I really don't want to see another song and dance out of him. <laughs> I'm just done with it. People are obsessed with him. They're obsessed with that man. I noticed it wasn't popping as big as it has before. But you, when you you really risk that Billy Crystal thing of going back to the well too many times. He does the Tonys too, right? He does the yeah. Tonys. Yeah. He does the fucking People's Choice. Um, 
they don't fucking, you know, care anymore. Um, James, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Fezzy, I just wanted to ask you, buddy. Maybe your perspective is off a little bit since, you know, you thought Liberace sucked ass and apparently it was really good. And maybe your, your gaydar is not quite tuned in. Maybe you need to, like, hang out with gay people a little more. It is kind of interesting, Fez, that you didn't get it and the critics loved it, Hollywood loved it, and the gays loved it. Yeah, the gays that I... Elton John came up and did gay jokes about it. Really? Yeah, they did a thing where Elton John... (laughs) I don't understand this show! Elton John fucking played a song, and he brought up Lee, and then he dropped a couple, (laughs) you know, things of, uh, you know, and everybody was laughing and stuff. God, leave that old dead man alone! D- they feel like they're doing a tribute to him. Yeah, it's an homage. The weird thing is, you seem to be the only unhappy gay left. Totally. That's what, you know, I've said it before. That's where that dinner party all went south on me. Did you take Xanax before it? No, I didn't. Gigantic mistake. Y- yeah. You guys are starting that Xanny bars. Your bug. personality right now is Xanax. It sounds like you were a totally different person. He was so fucking much fun. He was crowd surfing at one point. No, he wasn't crowd surfing, but he was really fun. I want to see Happy Fez, or just... Could you picture Fez in the rain, at night, after a two-hour metal show, jumping up... No. Fucking hands in the air, riding through fucking Harlem. Not at all. Not no. Not on top at this of point. a double decker bus. It was like a fucking New York movie. I could picture him having a panic attack in the rain on top of a fucking bus. Normally, you would have thought he would have had a panic attack going up to the second level of a bus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the height didn't feet. even bother me. That and rain felt so good. I don't good. know if you've ever been on those things before. Yeah. But you have to duck down when there's a fucking street light. <coughs> if you're standing up and there's a street light, it'll take your fucking head off. The guy's yelling, watch your head, trees, trees. He did not give a shit about anything. God damn it. Um, I don't know what it was, but funnest guy ever. Funnest guy ever. I guess Xanax. Xanax and song counting is what really <laughs> makes him fun. So you were a nervous wreck all night, right? Why did you say I'll take the ticket? Why wouldn't you just say no? I don't. This is going to be. That's too uncomfortable for me. Um, because I wanted to be part of the company event. I really did want to go. So you wanted but to be there. I was scared to death to go. You wanted to be there for political reasons, so that because sure. I noticed that you yelled at everyone and were waving to them. So you would be seen? Well, uh, yeah. So people would say, hey, Fez was there? And after the Xanax, I was really glad to see people. <laughs> really, really <laughs> enjoyed seeing familiar faces that I had just seen less than 24 hours before. <laughs> and he would be like, oh, he's like yelling to people as they come by and fucking grabbing them. And I'm like, well, who's that? And he would always be like, well, that's somebody's assistant. Oh. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, God, I don't even know if I ever saw those people before. <laughs> um, all right, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I think you got a recipe for success here. I mean, you know, Fez pops his Xanax around like 9 a.m., cranks up, uh, you know, Metallica or some good, 
some good uh, rock on the on his iPod, puts a costume on, comes in to work, takes the stick at eleven o'clock, and you're good to go. I would have loved to had mics that night. Fuck, man. You would have heard the old fez. More than one fucking sentence at a time. No dead air. Busting balls. I thought rocking, but you were just mirroring. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, w- I wouldn't have known, you know, to throw the fist up or anything like that. I just. But you didn't feel yeah. it. You, like you're in the it's room. It's not like you're supposed to throw up the fist. People were like, yeah. Like, this is so you fucking I mean? good. Yeah. There, yeah, there was no point where I'm like, I am so into this. I have but, to have my hands in the but air. But I just want you to know what people were doing. You know that's not choreography, right? Like, people don't go, this is the part of the song where we put our hands in the air. They're just fucking rocking. Yeah, they ju- they actually just feel it from music. I don't get that feeling from any kind of music. Mm. It's so weird. To whatever point yet you do not care, then the said hands go in the air. That is true. You're exactly... And I, I, I guess he did. He cared. <laughs> he cared. There was a certain point where it just seemed like. Oh God! You know that's, what I mean? That, yeah, it was that, like throwing the Nazis. That's not good <laughs> up in Arlo. No, we had. I, I felt good about our fifteen hundred strong gang. <laughs> I felt very fucking strong about it. Um. Here's Dr. Howard. Hey, good, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, it just sounds like Fez is suffering from the low Z syndrome. Low what? Low Z syndrome. What Z syndrome? Well, it's Zantac, you know, Zantac. All right, but that begins with an X. Dr. Howard? Nurse, Dr. Nurse Fine? Dr. Howard? Dr. Howard? Dr. Fine? Dr. Howard? I need to be cheered up. Look who it is. It's the lovely <laughs> Janice in Chicago. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, everyone. Is uh, Chicago got Bears fever right now? Oh, it's, was I know I'm I'm apologize that you lost, but I was a, what a game! Holy shit! Yeah. And uh, it was so funny because I called my father-in-law during the game, and he said, "Well, it, you know, there's still a lot of time." And right after he said that, the guy blocked. <laughs> Hit the field goal kicker, the yeah. punter. And I was like, Dad, shut up! <laughs> they were both doing everything they could do to give it away. They were both doing everything. But wouldn't it be great to see Cutler in the Super Bowl? Well, awesome. I, I, yeah. And I'm, uh. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because I enjoy I watch the game by myself. Because I just, I don't want someone yapping at me or, you know. No, I understand. Oh, yeah. There's some people that feel like they need to be in a crowd wearing a shirt, and other people are like, why are all you people talking during the game? It's a game. And it's only, you know, it's an hour, a football hour, but it's still, (laughs) shut up, I don't... (laughs) Yeah. Like, the worst thing to do to me is a Super Bowl party. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's just... Because there's always people asking, well, how did these teams get here? (laughs) Um, Do they always have rock concerts in the middle of the show? Crazy. And I don't want to be the hostess with the mostess. And, oh, shut up. Right. Oh, great. uh, We're reading out of a fucking football helmet. That really makes today very special. And the helmet's made out of food, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's bad. Wow. Yeah, cheese, cheese helmet. No. <laughs> it's cool, no too, because uh, last year, my baby sister and her two kids, we went to Bourbon A, and uh, it got them into it. And uh, so now I call, I, when my dad was alive, I used to call him during the game. And so now we call each other. <laughs> so the tradition oh, continues. That's nice. I know it's funny when my dad was alive. He every once in a while he'd answer like he just woke up. <laughs> oh, dad, don't tell me you. And he started laughing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I Huh? Know. What? <laughs> That's the only nut. way I answer my phone. <laughs> I want to always make everyone feel bad that they woke me up. <laughs> what time oh. is it? Oh, shit, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, my husband worked middle shift, and I still call all those guys at the wrong time. All those years I lived it, and I still fuck up. It's like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, if anybody's on any kind of swing shift, they're just always needing sleep, no matter yeah, when. And, and you know, no one ever gets it. So. No, you no one ever gets it. And then they <laughs> die young from the, from the weird sleep patterns. You know, sometimes they think that. It's like... Um, did I tell you this already, that my husband had tendonitis from not only rock shows, but uh, riding a motorcycle all his life without earplugs? Is that and he right? Used to, he used to have to sleep with the TV on, or the ringing would wake him up. Oh, man. So he needed yeah. distraction from his own goddamn head. Yeah, That's so he had to have other noise all the time. Are you a TV all night guy? Yeah, I leave mine on and every light in the house. They oh, say it's what? not good for you. Neither one of those things is good for you. It's like sleeping on the subway where the lights never turn off. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> you can't what, do that, dude. Don't they do. say that. I'll feel like the bed's moving. This is what they do to torture fucking prisoners. <laughs> yeah. But they also say you're not getting the correct type of sleep because of that. And they say it's anxiety inducing. Yeah, because then you don't get the REM sleep or whatever it says. And... Yeah, I've tried to just turn everything off, and then I just end up opening my eyes and staring into the darkness. But oh, it's not going to happen like that forever. You have to get past that. You to. have to remember, TV's only like 60 years old. So forever, <laughs> human beings slept. And light is only about 100 years old. So forever... <laughs> Human beings slept in the dark with no TV. And if you were like, oh, I sleep with the lights on and no TV, that's why I'm so relaxed and prepared for the show every day. That's why I really enjoy my work. Then I would go, well, dude, it works for you. But I can't believe in all your time of trying to find out about anxiety stuff, you haven't looked into good night's sleep. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to the doctor about it and that sort of thing. Um, it's just I feel more comfortable, like I can sleep. That but that's fucking that's nuts. only at first. You understand? Mm -hmm. You have to, like when you do any new thing, you have to work through it. And the and why do you sleep with the lights on? Just because I hear noises and I don't want to have to go stumbling through the dark. I got to tell you this story, and this is fucking true. One time we were all on the road. We used to take this comedy show out on the road. And we do the show. I go back to the room. I'm asleep. My phone fucking rings 3.30 in the morning. I answer it. It's Fez. And he screams at me, the lights are out. <laughs> 
I go, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, the lights went out in the hotel. I go, it's in the middle of the night. The lights should be out. I fucking slam the goddamn phone down and go back to sleep. He fucking stayed and just stared out the fucking door. At, at, you know, he's staring out the window at some faraway light. Fucking dreaming of the sun coming back up. Holy shit, man. And it was weird because I was asleep with the lights on, and then when they went out, it's like you should it's like someone clobbered me and I sat right up. You have to start seeing the lights on. If I wake up and there's lights on, I feel fucking freaked out. It feels unnatural. Tonight, would you be willing to turn off your TV and turn off your lights? Do it. Yes, I will try it. So it isn't a matter of trying it. You're going to do it. Just, just turn everything You're off. You're going to do. There's nothing to try here. There's two flips of a switch. It's just a button. You could always do a timer, you know, so it shuts off after you're asleep. Well, I don't have those on my lights. I will sleep with everything off tonight. <laughs> Even your pants. Balls out That's tonight. Asking a lot. Now, what do you think about this thing that Polo's saying you don't care about the show? Um, I do care about the show. Polo has been pissed at me for a couple of weeks now because he asked for $100,000 from me. Just and, give it to him. And I refused to give it to him. Give it to him, dude. Okay, 20 grand. So, give him the, seriously. To get back on his good side, give him the 100 Gs. I am not giving him $100,000. Look, I want you to understand something. That's an investment, all right? It's going to come back big. Because of his movies. He has like 60 scripts that, that are yeah. ready to go. And you're also investing in something even more important, Fez. You're investing in friendship. Yeah, I'm not willing to make that big of an investment in this. Now, why wouldn't you have told us the last two times that he called the $100,000 story? Why have you been sitting on that? Call that crazy bastard out. Because, because he asked for it. And I go, I'm not giving you $100,000. And I even asked, I said, are you serious? And then he started, <laughs> just kind of laughing it off. And I'm like, maybe he was serious, maybe he wasn't. But that's when everything changed. Can I just tell you something? Everything isn't black and white. There's an easy compromise. Give him 50 k I am not giving him any money. Give him 50 k <laughs> just to settle everybody down. Seed money. Toss him a quarter. I am not giving him, and then then he's pissed, and a couple weeks ago, he was supposed to be on the show, refused to answer his phone. I'm sure that's what it was all about. You're then making I, st stuff up now. Then I get screamed at, I'm just an afterthought on the show, the show doesn't like me, and I go, the show does no, like you. the show doesn't, the show's not anything. It, I'm I'm a person, and no, I don't like him. But it doesn't mean I won't put him on the show because he's nuts. But in terms of liking, how could any human being like Polo? No, that's never been a, in <laughs> doubt. I think he killed his wife. He's a frightening. So he's a frightening. Doesn't mean weirdo. I won't put him on the show. He's weird and interesting. What does someone say when the show likes me or doesn't like me? That's insane. There's only human beings. Me, Chris. You, Pips, Shelby, Meats. Yeah, he feels everyone is against him now. Yeah, we've always been against him. <laughs> so what? Doesn't mean we won't put him on the air. Give him the fucking hundred G's 
and let's get this thing out of here. I am not giving him a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> He'll pay you back once it fucking comes in. You know he will not. I'll fucking chip in. You you give him ninety nine five, and I'll throw in the other five hundred. I'll send a buck. All right, there's an extra buck. We're kickstarting this thing. Take it, His other Kickstarter almost got two hundred dollars. See, he was close. Uh, All right, my Janice. Can I uh, thank Hard Rock Johnny too? Because I never would have placed the Iron, the chairman from the Iron Chef from the Kung Fu oh, movie yeah, he used yeah. to be in, and it was always kind of driving me nuts. Now you're <laughs> okay with it. The it. other day, it's like, aha, that's right. Uh, okay. All right, the bears, the bears, <laughs> Soldier Field. <laughs> Soldier Field. We watch the games at Soldier Field. I'll talk to you later, sweetie. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. God, I love that woman. All I got to do is watch my emails. Love when Janice is on the show. Here's one. Tell Fez to shut the fuck up when Janice is on the show. Oh. Dick. He's not a dick. I mean, he's just trying to... Tell this thing about Paul O, but you got to come up with some money. You got to, Fez. That's just throwing it out the window. He's offered to live with you for and get a small stipend. And you remember when he was here, you did your best shows. Uh-huh. It's like you were on Not Xanax. the last time he was here. Yeah, that was better than what it has been since. That's been better than what has been since. Remember, went to the cloisters. It was fun. You went up to the fucking see met the Rolling Stones that day at that fucking thing. You never would have went without him. You were throwing your hands up in the theater. Wow, is he just during a dock? Yeah. He was fucking <laughs> rocking during a dock. He was rocking during docking. What's he going to do with the 100 seed? How's he going to get that going? I have no idea. And he's I got that Critters. Uh, he wants to make Critters 5. That's just waiting to get fucking reboot. I don't know why you sit on stuff like that rather than say it when it comes up. I wonder how many secrets Fez has. Oh my god, I have dozens. Like secrets? And we'll never find them out either, unless Paul L. lives <laughs> Why don't they have you take more Xanax for when you're anxious to come in here? Well, I mean, I have it on me. It's just that I, I, have one? I worry that I'm going to get too downed out. Too entertaining? Too no. much fun? And then it also leads to, like, some severe crying jags, like, a day or two after. You cry anyway. Did you uh, cry from, um, Sunday? No. No. All right, I think I might have something for you to get you crying then. Uh-oh. It's a story up. Um, this little transgender girl, or boy, whatever they are, this little transgender, uh, and a California school won the homecoming queen, right? Oh, nice. Um, but then, I guess everybody's being mean to him or her on social media. <laughs> and the only reason why they did it is because the TV, the local TV stations went out there and, and were like, 
Oh, look what a great bunch of kids this, these kids are yeah. for giving this. <laughs> Which, Fez, what's your take on it to begin with? Let's say before we even get to the social media part. Um, I thought it was a really sweet thing that this kid realizes that she actually wants to be a girl. Was named Homecoming Queen. Put herself out there to do it. She could have run, you know. Because she's pre-op, right? Yeah, right. So I thought it was a wonderful thing that she was willing to run and that everyone accepted her as the person that she is now. So I thought it was a really sweet story. So what do you think then what happens when she gets on social media and everybody clangs around? Oh, I'm sure she gets attacked as being... Here, here just put the, put the video on. This is her still wearing her queen uh, makeup. No, you got to oh. go down, Fuzzy. Turn that. There we go. <laughs> and just be a boy. <laughs> and hate myself. And hate my life. <laughs> just so everyone can just shut up and leave me alone. <laughs> and I know I asked for this. I know I did. I know I wanted to run and I wanted to be nominated. <laughs> And she's wearing the crown while she's saying all this. It's just so upsetting that if a real, that every real girl who's won has probably been so happy and never even gotten any negative. But because of my situation, I am so, so hated on and so judged. It's just I've had to deal with this my whole life, and so I should know better by now, but I just wished for one day, for one day, I could just be happy, and have everyone be happy for me, and it just never could happen, because everybody just... Alright, let's stop it there. Obviously, this is a troubled kid. Yeah. Now, here's my fault, my thinking on it. You know, they, they did not vote for him because he's the prettiest girl in the school. They also do this same gimmick where they give it to the special needs kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, this is what that school did already. They turned it into, let's give it to a special needs kid. I, w I would think that, except for the fact that she did actually apply and run and wanted to be queen. So does the special needs kid. Do you think that he's the prettiest girl in that school? I would doubt it. All right, so why did he win? Because people, the kids and the other kids in the school were so proud of her story and what she's gone through. Now, is, that, is that what Homecoming Queen is normally about? It's always a popularity contest. Right. So the thing is, it's the hottest girl in the school. Yeah. That's what it's basically saying the girl we want to have sex with. <laughs> oh yeah, our fucking queen. She had a couple abortions from older dudes, but she was really <laughs> fucking hot. That's the kind of girl that should be fucking doing it. A girl who doesn't even date anyone in the school. Yeah. <laughs>
She was fucking hot as shit. The girl Come was on. dating a guy in a Corvette and a fucking mustache. <laughs> yeah. That's the girl you expect to win. Now, the other side of it is, why do they let this kid go on social media? Why? Why would anyone think it's a good idea for this kid to then upload this thing of her wearing <laughs> the, the princess <laughs> tiara now, up on the iPad. Somebody else, who added this? This was from Logan Field. All right, Logan Field added to this, and what's the actual account name for people who want to see it? Um, it's called I Should Be So Happy. Would you please go to the top of this and find out what the thread is called? It's called Transgender Kid in Huntington Beach Named Homecoming Queen. All right, so that's where it is if you want to see this, but it's um, further on down. Um, here's Dan. Dan in Kentucky. You're on the run of hey. fast show. Hey, Ronnie B. Hey, she let the whole tape play out. She'll hear you say, You did not cut me a bit of swag. It's weird that, like, she gets so sad, so she says, okay, I gotta put a video to let them know how much they're getting to me. <laughs> this, is bad. this is somebody who doesn't get it at all. With my winter gear on. Or does that kid just want attention, whether it's negative or positive? I think because there's... It, for her to still wear the tiara and the sash says a lot, I think. I mean, that means there's something mentally... Like, I never Maybe wanted she this. she just got home from the game. But She's going to be wearing this 40 years from now. It's a sash and a tiara doesn't seem too comfortable. There's something wrong here. And this is still, whether you consider this person a he or a she, this is still a 16-year-old that people feel free to bash but, online. Okay. but why Just would, a child. But, uh, and I get that completely. This is a troubled kid who needs real help. So why do this thing at the school, and then why did the local news put this on? You know what I mean? Like, how did everyone not see this as a train wreck ready to happen? Why wouldn't the school have said, you know what, this is a school, this is just a little thing that takes place at the school, and we don't need this as national news. Because they all have to go out of their way to say, look how great we are. We went and did it. It's the same as letting the autistic kid fucking shoot baskets. Yeah. As soon as they did that, and you find out you can get pressed for it, then everybody wanted to do it. Just to prove that they're somehow great. This kid shouldn't have been homecoming uh, queen. The pressure is too much for this <laughs> kid to handle the homecoming queen responsibilities. I think it would be out. awful if she wanted to run for homecoming queen and they said, no, you're so different, you can't do it. That you mean would you be have, really bad. By different, you mean having a penis? <laughs> because if this kid could be homecoming queen, why can't you just turn around and pick the class clown as homecoming queen? Which, face it, most kids would make that fucking vote in a heartbeat just to <laughs> shit all over the stupid homecoming queen thing. Should every boy in the school be able to run for homecoming queen? Yeah, and if they get voted in, they get voted in. Exactly. So then it's... So what we're saying is these old traditions are fucking stupid and don't belong there. And I would completely agree with that. I would completely agree with we really don't need to pick hottest girl. 
we already know. And she had to have received some hate leading up to it because the whole homecoming thing is at the football game at halftime, I think. I mean, at least they did when yeah. I was school. They, they're all on the field, the mm-hmm. homecoming court. So right. this wasn't a surprise. Yeah, that's exactly right. They went out. She was part of the court. And then she got picked. And here's the weird thing. Guess who fucking walked her up? Her mom. Her mom stood next to her as her uh, date. And uh, he uh, or she uh, was so happy to get this award. But apparently the... uh, the pressure was just too much. Uh, you're on, uh, Keith, you're on the Run of Fez show. Keith in California. Hey, buddy. I just wanted to kind of like chime in on what Fez was saying. If the school would have said, no, you can't run, or no, there's something wrong with you, then the parents probably would have been suing for discrimination or some other kind of crap like that, and that would have got all kinds of negative publicity for the schools. So, I mean, what are they supposed to do? I would like to see those fucking schools just fucking teach and get out of all the extra stuff. Yeah, you know? that probably makes sense, too. I don't even know if the high schools need fucking sports teams anymore. It's just gotten so ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe your whole life shouldn't be built around the school. And really, do you really need to pick prettiest girl? Isn't that a little fucking odd? We're heading. To, I mean, there's more homeschooling than ever now. We're heading towards where kids are just going to stay at home and fucking learn off a computer screen, and they'll just have their fucking syllabus or whatever, and they do their work. That's where we're heading, dude. There's not going to be any more fucking guided you know, classrooms. Look. I know what your goal is to become a sci-fi writer. <laughs> Just fucking do it and stop talking about it every day. Stop talking about robots getting feelings. He fucking was watching AI the other night. He yeah. calls my house and he just screams, he's not real, but his love is. Mm-hmm. I go, I already got it on, dude. Just fucking don't worry about it. Wanted to make sure you knew that. <laughs> Fucking thing is learning. Do you really realize how big that is? I want you to write a fucking sci-fi called I Weedhead. <laughs> um, here's Rick in Vegas. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. It's an obvious scary thing. It should have been a bucket of blood dropped on her at the end. I mean, come on. Same thing. That's it. I'm out. It is. It was almost scary. And they do this all the time. Um, grab Barka for me. I want him to tell his story. Um, Jimmy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, Fez. I was thinking about before when, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, like your weekend and everything. What is your normal weekend like? And, like, could you walk us through, like, a normal Saturday and Sunday that you have? Without the shitting? (laughs) Well, that's going to take out a huge chunk of it. Uh, usually it's uh, Friday night. I have a late appointment, and then Saturday I sometimes I will go out to some of the gay bars in my neighborhood. And Sunday it's been football until Time Warner cut me off. Cool. Thanks. When's the last time you went out to a gay bar? A couple weeks ago. A couple of Saturdays ago, yeah. late at night. Did you meet anybody? No. What do you order in there? Club soda with lime. Not. And who'd you talk to? I, th- the last time I went out, I didn't talk to anyone. I just kind of sat there like a dope. How crowded was the bar? 
It was fairly crowded, yeah. I, I would just like to think that other people are dancing and laughing <laughs> and having fun. Flirting with the bartender and shit. And then Fez is just sitting there with a rain cloud over him. <laughs> <laughs> New people are coming in, everybody's yelling out. Why don't you stay home and jerk off to this song? <laughs> I don't jerk off to girls. Uh, but seeing this kid, and I agree with you. This is a very troubled kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we shouldn't totally act ab- uh, upset, uh, accepting of what's going on there. You know what I mean? Rather than accept it, maybe she should or he should spend a couple years getting therapy. Uh, because so on the edge. So on the edge. But now I'm starting to believe that no kid needs to be online. Well, it usually it usually turns bad, and now that with the bullying freakouts, the online stuff is just just fucking that's just driven at home. Or now it's just you know free reign for fucking. But people. how how do we know how many people fucking said anything before this person got mad or what it took? What they what she probably might have seen, even if she didn't go herself, is go to any of the comments on the TV channels that put this stuff up. And those people have a right to their opinion. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They have a right to their opinion to say, look, you are emphasizing something that isn't natural. You know, this is not, this shouldn't be acceptable. This is a kid who needs mental help, not for everybody to join in the fantasy and start to cheer. You're the prettiest girl in the whole school. I mean, it's kind of nutty when you think about it. You're so hot. I don't know if anyone yelled, you're so hot at her, but they did put aside the normal tradition for a homecoming queen for it to be the, you know, popular best-looking girl for someone special. Special means retarded, man. So I don't see where there was anything wrong in her running or them electing her. It looked to me from the news report that they did it because they sincerely support her. And then she gets home, and of course everyone has the crap on her, and, you know, call it creepy, and that sort of thing. How do we know everyone? I didn't do it. I'm sure no one I met did it. So, again, that's not everyone. How many things did it take her to get before she felt negative about it? And why couldn't she have said, hey, despite everybody, you know... Uh, there being a lot of people who don't like me, the people who are closest to me do like me, and went on and did a positive thing. Why does it all have to be so negative and upset? I wish it could have rolled off her back and that she could have accepted that for the really good thing that it was. So you're saying that maybe she should step down, that this is too much pressure, mm-hmm. that the school should go there, take off her crown, take away her scepter no. and sash. It doesn't seem to me that she's acting in a way... That befits homecoming queen. Oh, it's just she should not abdicate. And the other students vote too, so she had the majority of support. Unless they're all doing it for that. See, my joke. problem is why are you fucking voting for a queen? They should be born into it. <laughs> That's be, the only way that I would accept it. Should be Kristen from homeroom. I mean, come on, guys, she's the hottest here. Let's be um, <laughs> everyone knows she started getting tits in fucking seventh grade. And they're fat now, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then after there's abortions, she's really filled out. I mean, she just she just loves doing it raw. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a fucking great. <laughs> here's uh, Jerry Barker. Jerry. Yes. Hello. 
Well, where are you calling us from? The bathroom? Is it that bad? No, yeah. I'm down in my kitchen. Okay. Big as your kitchen. Uh, you wrote a column the other day about at your kids' um, football game. They let somebody score, right? Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I sent you a thing. I forget what it was. They let a one-armed blind kid score somewhere? <laughs> one-armed osteosarcoma okay. terminally ill kid score. Now, this has become a normal thing around the world. In other words, youth football is fixed. <laughs> and it's becoming dangerous. It? <laughs> that, yes. Now, you were really moved. Well, you didn't say the tears, but you had to put your sunglasses down. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I think it was a great thing, particularly because in this game where I saw it, the parents didn't know about it. It wasn't something that the newspapers covered or was on TV or something. It was just something good that people were doing and the kids participated in. And what was great is, as you saw the play develop and the, you know, my son's team, they, they lined up 20 yards off the ball and they handed it to the kid and they kind of faux blocked and faux sort of tried to tackle him and he, he, you know, runs towards the end zone. But the parents understood it from the sidelines, which was cool. You just knew something special was going on. And, you know, I just think that's a great thing that sports can teach kids and people to come together, at least for a moment, and to understand that, you know, you play the game, you play hard, whistle to whistle, and then when there's an opportunity to do something great and nice for kids, you can do that. Now, did the kid know that he was being mocked this way? Not at all. You know, not at all. I talked to his mom after, and he's as proud as could be. To him, he scored a touchdown. And this was a kid so who couldn't speak so up until about a year ago. He's five, five and a half years old. Couldn't speak or wouldn't speak? What, has he got dyslexia? <laughs> A combination of all those. Now, he couldn't speak, and okay. he's developed the ability to speak now. And, I mean, you know, he gets the diagnosis, and the parents are told that he might never speak and he'll never participate in sports and never be in anything mainstream. So, you know, who knows? And the mother knows. Who knows what this, you know, what the future holds? But at least in this one moment, he's got that. Well, maybe every game they'll let him score right up and through the pros. This kid's like fucking Barry Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? But that'll drive Hicks nuts because he won't know how to bet if the kid that they sub him in to let him score at the so end of the game. So you said that your kids play in a homosexual football league. <laughs> what? What kind of football league <laughs> do they play? No. What's it called? Where's the warm heart? What's, it, what's it called? What's the what's the style of football they play? Oh, it's flag football. Oh, I see. What? So there's an L in there. Oh. Um, you might want to go back and check your computer. Because not all the the letters came through. <laughs> the spelling's right. Flag football. <laughs> flag. Yes, flag. Flag. So it's different, Fez? Yes, it makes much more sense. Well, what about a flagget? Is that different or is that the... <laughs> I've never heard that term. Goddamn flaggets. That's what Fucking we should call kids flag. who play flag. <laughs> <laughs> Those flaggets over there. So they thought if this kid would have went out on his own to play flag football, it never would have happened. <laughs> they needed to rig the game. Yeah, and I think the parents on the one side also had some money going, so it helped them, you know, sure, I, I, when they bet the game five on the side, like the junkies they are. For five man. seconds, let's be serious, Jerry. Okay, sorry. Um, and by the way, despite the fact that Notre Dame did everything to give away that game, the other day you still won. Uh, unbelievable. They didn't cover, but they won. Well, I ate that the way of the fighting Irish. Yeah. <laughs>
I had to wait for that before I went to the Metallica show. Oh, God. <laughs> I couldn't leave. Uh, it was not pretty. It was not, it was not pretty at all. And they got Oklahoma coming in this week. We they do? Yeah, they got Oklahoma, fourteenth ranked Oklahoma, so you know, who who knows? It's at Notre Dame, so it'll be interesting. And uh you know, I think now they'll either be knocked out of the top twenty five or they will have come together with some sort of identity and won that game. Who knows though? Who knows with the Irish this year? Um all right, so you like the fact that we... Uh, uh, I got another story for you uh, mm-hmm. to see how you feel about it and Hicks and everybody. The Dodgers clinched their first playoff thing, and I don't know how many years we're going back now, 15 or so? Yeah, it's been uh, a long time. It's been a long, long time. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the Diamondbacks were pissed because the Dodgers ran out and jumped in the pool during the celebration. <laughs> Uh, they said, not classy, thug-like come up, <laughs> gangsters come up, and what the fuck is this? Kenya has come up. Uh, Jerry, where are you on this? Hey, celebrating the pool. It's, I think that's what's great about that kind of spontaneous sort of celebration that's also this sort of off-the-cuff FU to the home team. That's what's a great rivalry, you know? And, uh, hey, they're the champs. If you didn't want them to do that, don't let them win the division and clinch a playoff spot in your backyard. Would you have been okay if they went out and started to piss on the home plate? I think when you start exposing yourself All right, let's suppose they just went, ran out, and kicked dirt on home plate. Uh, I'd be be fine. I mean, it is what it is. It's an arrogant, you know... um, it's an arrogant fuck you move, but I think it's part of sports. And I think it, as long as we cannot take it, as long as we're not going to escalate it to the type of violence that's career ending, I think it's a good thing about sports to have that kind of expression. Because I think the next time the, the, the Diamondbacks fucking face him, the pitcher's got to he's got to hit somebody. He's got to yeah. fucking hit somebody. They Absolutely, the and he'll get suspended. Pitches. I think it's just the exact opposite of sport. I think what you were talking about the other day, what moved you, was the exact opposite of arrogance and the exact opposite of fuck you. But the fact is you can't be a winner unless you have somebody to compete against. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they should be doing. The Diamondbacks doing this, uh, why couldn't they fucking just dove in the pool of fucking home? Do they not realize their fucking coach is the biggest jinx in baseball, Mr. Don Nyingly? And that you, this doesn't you're mean anti Donnie baseball? Do I, a Yankee like yourself? I like Donnie baseball, but he's a fucking jinx. The fucking guy comes to the, comes back to the Yankees as a coach. They, they stop winning. The year he leaves, they start winning fucking uh, World Series again. They haven't done anything yet. When you got the pool there, let's use it. Why would you have a pool at a baseball field anyway? Um... How about you, Fezzi? I know you're not a baseball fan, but you get the point of this. Yeah, um, I don't see any problem with it. The, the pool's there to dive in. They won. They won the, the, the division, so, right? So if somebody, if the Packers win the game against the Bucks, and then they run up into your fucking uh, boat, that you, the fake boat that you keep, and start to shoot the cannons, you don't have a problem with that? 
Well, you I, wouldn't act like this is the most disrespectful <laughs> thing up. I've ever seen. Isn't winning the game enough for you? Now you have to go and fuck with our home field thing. Uh, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand the the lack of uh, care about that. Sixty one percent are okay for the swim. Wow. Um, personally, for me, I think it's because we live in like that Will Ferrell fucking world. Like the way. That, you know, he does those jokes. Yeah. You know, is the way most people, hey, you're number one, man. You're number one. We're going to get in their face it's about it. East, everyone's I think it's the exact opposite of what fucking sports are about. And I hope the fucking Diamondbacks throw at everybody on that fucking team the entire year next year. And uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make sure that they do. Weegs going to catch it. He's going to get one in the fucking dome. Somebody's gonna, yeah. Only throw at the head. Um, here's uh, Kevin. Kevin, you're on the run of fish. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Hey. I was calling to see, uh, I was curious about your opinion on uh, yesterday's uh, Carolina and Giants game. What what the hell happened there? Uh, you got an 0 3 team who stinks right now. Really bad. It's not looking like it uh, from yesterday's performance. What do you mean? They looked exactly like they stunk. They got sacked fucking seven times. Oh, oh, oh. I thought I thought we were dogging Carolina here. No, Carolina got a win. Congratulations. I'm not a big Giants fan. I'm not I'm not gonna fucking I don't never live and die with the Giants. They mean nothing to me. Um here's Adam. Adam, you're on the run of Fed show. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Um uh, I came up with a kind of an idea while the last guy was talking there. I think I should get a stable of uh, handicapped running backs. And then when we're down six or seven points, I throw them in and they score a touchdown. Did they catch the uh, touchdown, Jerry? (laughs) (laughs) But but to see how far these things... Jerry, did they count the touchdown? Did they count it? They don't even keep score, so it doesn't count in the game. So, no, they didn't count it. They just, you know, go through fundamentals. Like there's, yeah, they're five and seven year old kids. I thought that was a myth where people are fucking. They don't take keep scoring little kids games. When we were there, I mean, the we fucking padded up, and we had the fucking we had the scoreboard going. Yeah, that, that's how do you know who's winning or we who's right? Well, you're doing. Pound team. We didn't know what the fuck was happening. <laughs> we were just out there running into each other. That's fine, yeah. but still, the kids know scoring. though. The kids, you know. When you're being beaten, or when you're not, or when it's fairly even. I mean, with a score or not, the kids come off knowing if it was something they should be happy about and celebrate or not. It, it is pretty interesting that that happens that way. Where do you take them after the game? Out for ice cream or McDonald's? Out back. Nah, I mean they're morning games, so we might go to, to the, you know get some donuts or bagels or something like that. But some days we don't do anything. You, don't you know, got to get the team? shopping done. Uh, the team we do, um, you know, that that particular game, my wife brought the orange slices, you know. So the, the team mom brings something each game. When I was coaching, you would have one uh, team mom, like, um, you know, she would bring, like, orange slices and then mixed nuts and stuff oh, like that. Nice. And then the next week, the fucking mom would just have, like, fucking... Uh, Dunkin' Donuts and fucking <laughs> Hershey's. Fucking cool, mom. Just, just grab yeah. all the Hershey's kisses you want. And like some of the other moms, like, do you think that's appropriate? I'm like, lady, I don't give a fuck. Look it's at her- me. 
I don't give two fucks what the team's <laughs> snack is. I ain't having a meeting about it. Give him a 12-pack. Now, unless you want your kid to ride pine, you'll get out of my fucking face. Because I'll make the rest of the summer a nightmare on this little prick. I will say something funny though about kids and sugar. I'm at back to school night last week, and my, uh, the second grade teacher for my son says, "If I see your kids with sugary snacks, I take them away. I'm not dealing with that sugar rush." Just so you know, up front, and she was very like intense and stern about it. And I'm okay with that, but I was like, "Wow, that's really, uh, really letting it really laying down the law." Do you uh, have your kids in Catholic school? No, this is public school. She's like, and she's talking a fruit roll up, not like a Snickers bar. She's like, see a fruit roll up. Those are filled with sugar. I'd be pissed okay? if a fucking teacher came at me like that shit. Saying, yeah, ain't nothing you can do about it. <sighs> You'd fucking roll over like everybody else. You just, just get through it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. yeah No fruit roll-ups for him. Okay, good. Yeah. No, we just give him fucking lettuce and celery. Like you said. You know what, ladies? Come back with a fucking tall boy of Red Bull tomorrow, all right? And then you have to deal with that fucking world of shit. All right? All right? You know what? Fuck this. He's going to be homeschooled. Fuck you. Fuck yeah, yeah. public school. I can see you teaching a kid. You know, the homeschool, you think they just look at a computer and learn. Yeah. you got to teach their classes. You've actually got to turn stuff in and send it into that place. Wait, there's a, do you have to fucking answer to someone? Yes. Oh, that's You're fucked up. You're still in school. It isn't skipping for the rest of your life. You're still in school, and the parents have to write up shit and send it in on time. I had a friend who, his parents apparently did not trust the school enough to teach him, but neither of them knew a foreign language, so he came back once a day to learn Spanish. Okay, what's up, TJ? How's it going? What's going on at home? <laughs> First of all, I know this story's a lie because you said you had a friend. Yeah. The only <laughs> friends you had were fucking imaginary. <laughs> um, here's uh, Steve, South Carolina. You're on the Run and Fed show. Hey, I was wondering what we do if we've got a, a kid that's really um, hyped up about defense. Special, what, what, what do we do then? I mean, if you have a special needs special kid, chances are pretty good he can play defense. <laughs> He's fucking tackling people on the sidelines. Look at a sack. Tackling people in the parking lot. Don't worry about that kid. There's no. You just got to keep him in a pen. I fucking. I would seriously. I'd have a team with seven fucking peds uh, on defense. You know, you're gonna need a couple people. You know, they're not gonna be able to, to corral them. You know, like a sheepdog. <laughs> Someone's gotta call them. <laughs> Someone's gotta play defense back. They're blitzing every fucking play. But they're really strong as shit. And because they walk on their tiptoes, they're fucking fast. They're very strong. Oh, yeah. They're fucking they're so, blocking all sorts of shit. Joe, try to get your kids in that team next year. They wouldn't make it. They'd be cut. So, uh, you let them know in that thing, I will coach a team of special needs kids. Defensive coach. And I will... It'll just be pure attack. This is revolutionary. It's going to be like the Ryan family. I'm just going to look <laughs> into Buddy and Rex Ryan's fucking schemes. It just blitz, blitz, blitz. <laughs> All right, and I'll just be stuff like, you know, I'll just time out. All right, come around here, kids. I want you to know the quarterback hurt a dog. So get out there. He hurts dogs. Just fucking have them going crazy. Tackle them long after the whistle. Oh, yeah, it'll be fucking over. The quarterbacks would get murdered. He killed Scooby. <laughs> I'll do it in a heartbeat. Where do you get really big helmets at, though? I gotta get stuff for my team. It's custom made. <laughs> so, uh, 
So you were you were moved to tears, huh? Absolutely. I think it's a, I do, and I think it's all inclusive. I think the Dodgers being arrogant jagoffs is also part of sports, certainly at a more adult level. But I think even to be able to have sports and community come together for something like this, yeah, I was absolutely moved to tears. I, I, uh, you know, but I cry a lot anyway. But it, I, it was a very moving thing. To I see. know you and cried then, that day that Fez was kissing Paul O. <laughs> that was a different kind of tears. No. But then you had your boyfriend call us. Thank God for you. That was nice. Uh, we're, we're we're almost approaching the year anniversary of that. Is that right? What? You know? Oh yeah, I have it marked on my calendar. The day my my boyfriend stuck up for me. So I got to send him flowers and stuff. Say thank you. I'm just kidding about that. I didn't I have, have no him call. Idea. I have no idea whether you're kidding or not. I'm absolutely kidding. I'm absolutely not serious. Absolutely did not want that call to happen. Never asked for it. Um, here but it is, went. Here's Ray in Michigan. You're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Notre Dame had a special needs kid on defense. His name was Rudy. 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 That was on you ever Saturday. meet Rudy, Jerry? I never have. I never met him. I know when I was working in uh, as a student in the athletic department, we'd get these calls like, Rudy had a speaking engagement, and we paid him 50% up front, and he never showed. Like, we'd get a, you know, multiple calls like that in the uh, late 90s as he was, I guess, doing motivational stuff on the heels of the movie. So. Wow, did he really cash in, huh? Yeah, and he, apparently he worked a long time to have his story be turned into a movie. Like, he worked it and worked it and worked it for years. And the university, you know, uses it as well. I mean, when, when I was a freshman, you know, they take the parents when they drop you off. They have a parent orientation. And, you know, it's a great, I don't want to say indoctrination like it's a bad thing, but it's a if you're a parent and your kid, you're dropping your kid off at Notre Dame and you see this movie and it's got pictures of the campus and that feeling, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, so the university is done well with that movie. Uh, you know, Does everybody not as well want to see the probably, fucking but... closet that Rudy slept in for three <laughs> <Yeah>. years? <laughs> and where's the old black fucking janitor that doesn't Rock. exist that he made up? Someday you're going to be out on that field, Rudy, making a tackle in the middle of a 42-3 to game. But right now, your ass is mine. And you better mow that lawn. I always thought John Favreau was going to fuck him over somehow when I watched the movie. I just thought he was going to screw him over in some weird twist. Never happened. No, Favreau went to Miami and then came back with two broads. Yeah, Suddenly, nice. I don't know why. <laughs> Miami, is that easy for fat guys to get chicks? I don't know. I like Favreau at that weight, too. It was a better weight for him. Oh, he slimmed down considerably. Yeah, but you can see he's fighting it. He's never happy because he's hungry. Back then, he was much jollier. Just like Rex Ryan has not been fun at all. Oh, did you see what the Jets are doing now? Now. In the pregame? Uh, they come in before the game in school buses and walk through the parking lot Why everybody high-fives them. Like a college team? Yeah, like a college team. <laughs> Exactly like a college team. Now, I guess this is a fun idea, but they forget college teams have a terrible year and go fucking 10 and 3. You know what I mean? That's a disastrous year. What are the Jets going to do on one of their 2 and 14 seasons when they got to walk through a barrel of drunk fucking New Jersey assholes spitting on them? Open beers thrown at them. Yeah. 
calling them fucking racial names. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be terrible. That should be a reality show. That should be the hard knocks <laughs> dealing with the fucking Meadowlands fucking fans. That's the motivation to win right there, to not have to deal with that. You better win, or we're sending you out in that Either parking that lot. Either that play on the road. <laughs> Is there any way we can uh, reschedule? <laughs> uh, here's a question I got for you. Today. We'll do this as a good question today. Okay. We got to learn to start and keep that in front of us and remember what we promised Sabian. Mm -hmm. Um 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Where do you get your uh, sports news from? Do you go to a newspaper? Do you go to a certain website? Where is your primary sports news? Now, uh, I'm into a new pregame show. I'm doing the, that other pregame show with Adam Shine now. The one that CBS is running, or CBS Sports. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy the fact that it's not a bunch of laughing grab-ass guys. I think it's really well run. I think it's uh, a good show. Uh, Shelby, where do you go for sports news? For me, I ESPN. That's just right where I go, the homepage, and see what's going on. Too dull for me. Too mm -hmm. dull, too traditional, too the same kind of hype. I realize wherever you go... You're going to be hyped, but i got to get some new kind. I just go to the internet. I skip the talking heads. You don't watch any of the shows? I don't I don't need it. I'm still a PTI guy. Directed. Still a PTI guy. Not around the horn show. And unfortunately, I cannot... Um, I cannot uh, do Regis's fucking show. On Fox Sports? Yeah. Uh, what about you, Fezzi? Um, I actually go to the usatoday.com sports section. Now, everything that you try to hang in, hand into the iBang, doesn't matter whether it's sports, politics, or whatever, yeah. it's always USA Today. <laughs> and I didn't know that anyone else cared about USA Today since, like, 85. Their news and entertainment stuff is always behind... But their sports, I see breaking stories on their sports section more but, than ESPN. But there are two lines. There's no writers there. There's nothing to actually read. Um, and that's even in their paper. They have the smallest little articles ever. What about for you, Pepper Hicks? Uh, I love Deadspin. Deadspin is uh, my shit that I love going to. Deadspin's a little on the negative side, though, wouldn't you say? Oh, they get very mean to people. And yeah. they, they like taking shots at pretty much everyone. Uh, where the, most of the other sports things that we're talking about are, uh, you know, uh, part of almost the machine. When when you're doing ESPN, you're really part of this machine. Uh, Doug in Boston, you're on Run Fed Show. Doug, we got you, buddy. Still struggling with these phones. Doug, try yeah. back again. Oh fuck! Just at the last second. I'm fucking yelling Doug at him 19 times. Uh, what about for you, Jerry Barker? Well, I, I love sports media a ton, so I don't do any of the NFL pregame shows at all because it's just, it would, I'd really be lax in my parenting stuff if I did that and then watch the game. You're at but, church. Eh, not as often as, you know, I should be, but But so on occasion. for you, football day doesn't start till 1 o'clock. Yeah, kind of. You got to do the grocery shopping, hang with the kids, maybe get an actual thing done around the house before I 
do other stuff. But, I mean, I will use Twitter a lot to check in on stuff and follow certain people, but I'm in SI.com, ESPN.com, Deadspin, Yahoo, CBS Sports, and then uh, the Monday morning quarterback site that uh, Peter King launched with SI. I mean, those are in my favor. I mean, I'm checking those every day, and, you know, I'll look at the New York Times sports page and the L.A. Times sports page as well online. But I, I'm a bit, I like, I really enjoy getting into it and seeing what people are writing and what's the stories they're doing, stuff like that. Uh, Eric, uh, by the way, I forget about Sports Illustrated. I fucking totally forget that it ever existed. And I remember when I was a kid, having Sports Illustrated Day was like my fucking excitement level. Like, it's in. I've got the Sports Illustrated. I have something to do today. <laughs> uh, but now I just forget about it. It's not on as many newsstands as you think it would be. Uh, I don't even remember it anymore. Who's, uh, <laughs> you know, who's on the cover? That used to be the biggest thing yeah. in the world. Well, Who got the cover? One of the things they did was they regionalized the cover. So I'm still a subscriber. I get it on my iPad. I get it in the mail. And they regionalized the cover, which I'm sure is to try and boost newsstand sales. But it, it takes away from that that honor that it was to be on the cover. You can have four different things on the cover across the country. So, and, and it's not the same, but the archive on that website, I will sometimes go back and read the old stories about people. Like I was just reading stuff about Brian Bosworth this morning that was written about him in 87. I, I, it's in the past. It, it was the, the word, you know, yeah. on sports. And I remember there would always be that thing of who was on the cover the most times. And I think it used to go back and forth between Ollie and Pete Rose because they were about the right age yeah. that that thing mm -hmm. started where you could get on it a lot throughout their whole career. Uh, and then I think Jordan finally was yep. the one who passed them up mm -hmm. uh, because they knew anytime they had a Jordan cover, it was just going to fly off the fucking stage. <laughs> no matter what they wrote about Jordan, people would be like, oh, I need that. It's got fucking Jordan on it. Um... Let's go over here to Eric. You're on the Run and Fez show. Yeah, the site I usually go to is rotoworld.com. It's nice because what they'll do is they'll pull all the local newspaper articles from the um, different teams. So you get all the local information, plus you get the national information from the website. I don't even know this. Roto World, do you know it, Jerry? I've heard of it. I don't use it, but I have heard of it. Yeah, it, it uh, figures in for a lot of fantasy news, too. So they're all about, they just fucking, they just comb every local newspaper just so they get any sort of uh, report, injury reports. What, and typically what, they break uh, ESPN by at least four, five, six hours. You get stuff on there first. Do they beat uh, USA uh, Today? Are they able to top those guys? <laughs> fucking race ESPN doesn't. Uh, by the way, Foggy Otis is with uh, Fez on the USA Today. Um, uh, Roto World is part of NBC Sports. Mm. NBC. I kind of take it sport by sport. Like for NBA, I like to go, if I want in-depth analysis, kind of what's going on behind the scenes, I'll go to Grantland. They're pretty good with that. Grantland, you've got to have a little time to read. Yeah. Grantland, mm -hmm. and, go, and then all of a sudden you could end up reading a rock thing in the middle of it, too. You're like, yeah, you know what? All right, people do remember Nirvana and forgot about Counting Crows, and that album came out the same year. I was reading the whole, but like a lot of times I'll be like, I got to come back to this later. I've read a lot of things are coming up in my life. Yeah. Well, normally you would do that with a magazine, but you don't with a, 
uh, a website. I'm going to read some of the ones up on the iBank. Uh, MLB.com is Harley. Uh, my dad's all over that one, too, and always send me links. Um, Free Speech says, The USA Today, McNews at its best. If I can get one dropped off at my hotel door for free, it's for me. There is some truth to as much as you can make fun of USA Today. If you happen to be on the road and you're stuck in fucking Bumtown, Iowa or something, you're glad. (laughs) When you open up your hotel door and there's a USA Today with their tiny fucking sniper stories. Bing! You're like, fuck yeah. All right. Let's take it in. Look at these graphs. (laughs) Learn a lot. (laughs) More people wear sneakers when they go shopping than any other shows. This graph is great. Sniper. Um, CH says Davy Mac all the way. Uh, freeze, uh, this is Electric Dave, um, Eastside Dave, and Pepper Hicks. You're going to be getting different kind of sports news when you're going through those two guys. <laughs> A lot of it's going to be cumsies. <laughs> It's gonna be shitty. <laughs> no, and it's not. It's it's fucking hard fact. Why is he saying shitties right away? Because he's busting balls. That's why. But why? Why is that just known to everyone? And we're gonna jerk each other off. And then we're gonna so suck we're, each we're other. We're not. Oh. We haven't jerked or sucked each other off. That's never happened between us. Well, things worked out though because they made that movement, so the people against you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah, clean slate. It was a good you. That came at the perfect time for you guys. God bless the uh, beast and the children. Now, Jerry, have you written anything else for the New York Times since your big article? No, I have not. I got a couple pitches into them uh, right now, and they're they're uh, mulling them over. So one is sort of like a Rudy story, but not at all. So, but uh, yeah, so I'm supposed to find out they're making some editor changes so uh the people who oversee college football are changing so no one's really pulling the trigger mm. and the book's doing great though the book is doing well uh yeah selling steady was out there with uh chris zorich this weekend at notre dame and tony rice signing books people are loving it it's a. Uh, it's pretty neat. It's uh, I gotta say, it's cool to be out signing books and have people excited to read it, or people who have read it come up to you and be like, "Really enjoyed it. It was great." And yada yada yada. That's definitely. A, they say yada yada yada, yada cool. like the old Seinfeld. Wow. They they do they do. There was three. It was a, a guy and a girl and two other guys that came up and said that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it is enjoyable. That's for sure. Well, congratulations to you, buddy. You deserve it. It's a terrific book. Thank you. And you made me know I would quit any college sports team ever. <laughs> Just when I read about it, it's too fucking hard. They ask too much. I'll give you a little bit of practice, but I'm saving it for the game. I'm not fucking running until I puke. Yeah. <laughs> Burn those kids out. Too tiring. It's too exhausting to do that. Yeah, 6 a.m. in February, too. <laughs> All right. So. I got to go to a break here. We're two hours in, and only Liz is the only person who's... Uh, uh, even brought that up to me. We haven't done any plugs yet, so uh, we got to get our team together, get that replay together, mm-hmm. remember all the things that yeah. we swore to, and jump back into it. Jerry Barkin, talk to you later, my man. Yes, thanks for talking to me. Man, talk to you soon. Our job. Peace. 
We'll be right back. Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show on the Open Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. Bad Boys, Aerosmith, uh, Chris and Shelby were both telling me that they prefer 90s Aerosmith to 70s Aerosmith. I don't see it at all. Love it. I know they had more top 40 hits in the 90s. I know that whole pink is your favorite color. But that early Aerosmith, that kind of American Led Zeppelin thing that they were doing, I thought that was fucking fun. I can't, can't get enough of the 90s. That's my time. And Shelby, you're the same way. When I grew up, I just, dude looks like a lady. I right. stuck with it. Yeah. Stuck with it, but you got big. in late. You got in the sober Aerosmith. I'm talking about the kind of Aerosmith where they might forget to stand up during the show. <laughs> See, I like the professionalism of the what, no, what they brought in the that. 90s. And the makeup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they, they had thought it out a little more. 
What's and scarf the on the mic are we going with tonight? <laughs> that, how about ten? How about we put up ten scarves? All of them. Uh, you had a big weekender uh, winner, right? Oh, yeah. It was asking us uh, stone food. What's your go-to stone food? Ah. Hell, yeah. Um, there were a lot of great answers, but the winner is Mr. Doc Intoxicated. He wins Clerks, signed by not only Silent Bob, but Mr. Jason Muse. His answer, he used to work in a kitchen, so he was a chef, so they would all get high and messed up. They would do a pulled prime rib sandwich that became the secret of the kitchen. He'd take shaved prime rib, saute it with garlic, ginger, stock, then grill fresh baked brioche and garlic butter and slather it in cape berry remoulade. This is bullshit. This is not <laughs> in the spirit of this fucking contest. No, this guy's fucking putting it. Oh, is this a great recipe? Yes. But stone food means any of us can run out and get it. Stone food is when someone acts like Oh, it's Doritos and ice cream. Or fucking not uh, sitting there making a recipe from scratch. This is not... Oh, I fucking had it with this contest. We'd have Gouda flown in from France. Yes. And then we'd spark up... I'm sure uh, there's fantastic foods that chefs can make for themselves. But you guys have missed this. All right. Who picked the winner this week? I did. You are off of it, Chris. <sighs> Give it to me right now. Okay, here it is. And I'm not giving this to Doxicated. He wins nothing. Oh. This is unprecedented. Yeah, I know. I feel this like This is a like dick. those WWE <laughs> things after the pay-per-view. He wins nothing. He gets nothing at all. Duh. It sounded like he had a great recipe, but this was outside of the rules of what stoner food is. It's food that you either make yourself at home, or you run out to eat, or you do food... Com we spent the entire day talking about weird food combinations. And yours, uh, Lisa wrote to me and said that she tried your ice cream and a donut. And found it to be just fantastic. I'm on the cutting edge. Well, then we ought to start marketing Shelby's ice cream on a donut. We were going to shoot and do this, and uh, I guess we're not prepared to do it today. My lawyers are already writing to me over the docs and complicated, saying he did win the judge's rule. Hicks was the judge. Here's the problem. I've torn up the paper. It's gone. That Hicks typed up. Um, no, we did not sit around and act like, what's the best recipe you can send us? What is the best stoner's food? Let's face it, most of the time when you got, and I'm going to go old school with this, munchies, you didn't even realize you were going to be hungry until that moment, and you needed to eat immediately not sit down and put together a recipe uh, like obviously Doc was able to do. Um, Pips, you as the person, uh, well, you're Chris Stanley's staff. You've got to start looking over his shoulder now because this has become one of those mutiny-type situations oh, <laughs> where the staff cannot go down with him. Oh, I wouldn't say I'm going down. Um, hey, John in Louisiana, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's going on, guys? Hey. Pepper. 
yeah. I love you, but you let your hipster screw up your he's decisions. A foodie. He's a foodie and a wine snob. I, um, <laughs> Totino's pizzas, you get 10 of them for 10 bucks or whatever. The Totino's pizza folded in half like a taco? Come on. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. That was the spirit of this contest. Shelby could have won with his crazy fucking ice cream donut thing. We're going to start marketing this, and I'm probably going to be on a helicopter by the end of the year. Can I just tell you? If people want to start eating Shelbos, uh, and that is <laughs> you take a donut, it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Shelbos. And you can put ice cream. Into that thing and then freeze it all and eat it that way. Lisa said she was orgasmic after eating her shell bell. <laughs> I like the sound of it now. I'm really yeah, now they're starting to get there because they're going to be like you know's like you know donuts, but filled with shelb. That's the type we're going to call that flavor of ice cream. All right, I have to give this to Doc's intoxicated. I'm being told. Uh, by the way, just stepping in here moments ago, if you were around during the XSM days, Don Wiki Wicklin, who says uh, the DC branch of Sirius XM uh, is just doing fantastic. And Kenny sends his regards. He says, uh, hope we enjoy being strung out all summer. Um, glad we have to deal with it now. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Chris Stanley, you need to redeem yourself I after do. that. That was a bad one. Fucking ridiculousness. What do you want to get into? Okay, uh, this is coming out of Cambridge University. They found that compulsive pornography users have the same exact brain activity as someone who is an alcoholic or a drug addict. So, they're studying brains. They're showing people just like random porn images. And their fucking brain is lighting up just like if someone was shooting dope or snoring coke or whatever, getting their fix. Totally proving, at least medically in, in their test, that pornography is equal an addiction. Um, well, first of all, I don't know if that's the part of the brain that shows addiction, so I'm not going to agree with it. But two, more importantly, why didn't they just check people when they're fucking? And maybe it's the same part of the brain. They're... Um, I, I totally agree with this because sometimes myself I could just look at porn, not masturbate, and it's just like I'm just I need to do this. Like I need to look through. This is just fucking just looking through amateur picture after amateur picture, just loads of shit. Is it something so that you can say you can go back to it at a later time for that, masturbation purposes? <laughs> that well, it's it's part a just searching, looking for it, finding it, and then other times just like I just have a compulsive need to just look at it, and it's not even sexual. Yeah, but I think that there is a gigantic difference between a compulsion and addiction. An addiction, we're talking about a physical need to do it. Like, I would also like to see what happens when you're listening to music, what fucking comes up. Do you, What happens when you watch TV, what comes up. I don't know that if you can be visually stimulated into an addiction. Well, I certainly feel addicted. Do you, do you feel addicted to porn? Well, I was supposed to try to give it up for Lent. Couldn't do it. I couldn't. I literally, it's, I don't even try to. I just, at one second, I'm at fucking whatever, Drudge Report. And then the next moment, it's just, I'm at fucking Uges or X videos or whatever. This is a, uh, a big uh, 
big problem that we all have now. And who's the guy who wrote the uh, Rock and Roll and Coke and Puffs uh, book? Uh, Closterman. Uh, Closterman wrote a really great line that said, his work machine and his porn machine are the same machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the problem there. You have to admit, if there was a beer tap on your computer screen, <laughs> you would probably drink a lot more beer. Yeah. So I think, too, that the pornography weirdos are the ones that have to go out and get it. The problem that we have now with your computer screen is A, you can, while you're working, you can look at pornography. Uh, you can also check your sports fantasy yeah. while you're working. And then you could also look at cute kitten pictures while you're working. That is the problem. I don't know if anyone is actually addicted to pornography. I'll put it out there. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We need your call-in help on this. If you're an expert in such a subject, do you think you are or could be addicted to pornography? Because my feeling is this, Chris. Yeah. People have a tendency to go through periods of time when they watch more pornography than not. And sometimes you will get bored with the lack of professionalism of pornography, which is my biggest problem with pornography, is that you just can't watch bodies slamming together and become involved in it any more than you could just watch a gunfight by not and then not know any backstory there. I think you have to feel somewhat attached to the people. I think as as you get deeper into watching porn or find or find things that you know that you like or that you you get become desensitized. Like for me, it's just like there's nothing but amateur pornography. That's that's it. That's you like you don't want any any real stuff. Yeah, you want to go to exgirlfriend.com. Yeah, exactly. It because. would seem like the addiction is to running one itself, the physical act, not but what he, you. But he also said. You will spend more time on this than you actually need to do. Oh, yeah. Than masturbate. So if you're looking at it for hours before you even get around to masturbating, a lot of times because I think you don't find the exact correct stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to find you know your taste. But that also could take you out of your own uh, mind um, to be able to create your own fantasies. I think that's a bigger danger. Here's Carl in PA. Carl, how you doing, pal? Hey, Ronnie. Good. Uh, I don't know if I'm addicted, but, I mean, I have sex with my girlfriend. It's good sex, but she'll get up, she'll go to work, and I'll be right on the Internet surfing porn. Now, and you're saying that this has nothing to do with your sexual needs. Yeah, I don't think so, no. Because I, I, I mean, I got sex with my girlfriend every day. Now, when, I'm still you're, every day. when you're having sex with your uh, girlfriend, uh, are you looking at porn or thinking about porn when you're doing it? No. Then you're. I don't think that you have a single problem in the world. I think the real test is do you continue looking at porn? porn after even done masturbating because so for you, most you, people it's just like once they're 
immediately when they're done, it's like, oh, God, turn it off. Get out of my face. No. And then it suddenly becomes, um, well, it's almost like what your house looks like after you've been drinking all night. You wake <laughs> up in the morning, you still smell still beer and fucking whiskey, and you look around, you're like, oh, God, what have I done? Why did I let these animals come into my house? But you're saying to be a real addict after you come, you still just sit there and look at porn. Yeah. That would be a weird fucking thing to do. I do that. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I have a tendency to think that there is no such thing as a porn addiction. Any more than I believe in a chocoholic or a shopaholic or all these things that people want to somehow act like they have no choice. My point is this. Chris, yeah. you look at all this porn yeah. because you want to look at all that porn. But, but, but I, I'd say, yeah, but I just find myself doing it. Like, it's like, it, I don't even realize. I just end but up I there. I bet there's a lot of things that you, I mean, I can tell by your work, times that you think that you've done things, that your head is in other places anyway. And it has nothing to do with porn. You have a tendency, you're not a detail guy. Oh, I try to be. Well, you used to be. Um... Then, like, I think you got Pips and you're like, and you're like, let Pips be the detail guy. Like, no. right now, I think Pips of is like kind of a detail guy. Um, Mark, Mark, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Uh, over the weekend, I saw the movie Thanks for Sharing, which is about sex addiction and just addiction in general. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a terrific movie, and uh, that's exactly kind of what y'all are talking about as they say that there is such a thing as sex addiction and it showed how it was ruining people's lives you know they couldn't even some people couldn't even make a, well, a sales call it's a movie that's right. like saying die hard shows that we gotta uh, you know what i mean like this guy won't even say that he's gay at least that's what fez gave us last week um i do not know if i would uh believe in this or not uh, Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yo, boys. Pepper, I got, I got bad news for you. I got a website that's just going to completely destroy the rest of your free time. <laughs> that's fucking... Thanks for feeding the addiction. What is it? It's called YOLO Selfie. You only live one selfie. And it's just girls taking pictures of their titties in the mirror and sometimes a little more. And it's See? just end, endless, endless. You seem like you're far beyond that, right? I mean, this is what I would... I would literally just spend time here just watching it, just no, looking at it. No, it's good for you, like, when you're on the can. Like, you just pop it up while you're, like, while, while you're but just really, dropping really, if you have just... a porn addiction, I would have thought that you would be far past uh, YOLO <laughs> self. Uh, see, the thing is that if it's genuine amateur, that, that'll, be, that'll, be something, that'll be something to like. Yeah, oh, pop it up right now, dude. All right, this is Yolo Self. YoloSelfie.com. Yeah, one, one girl hot. after another. That's it. But they're just all super am, like in their parents' bathroom. Pretty dope. All right, here's my concern on this. How do you know that these are all people It's not age? my problem, Ronnie B. Oh, it's not don't. my problem. It will be your problem if someone shows yeah, up at your fucking house. It, though. You're, you're just surfing. It's iPad material. Nobody's, nobody's tracking that. They stop, say. Looking out, stop looking out the window. They say. Uh, Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. How are you, man? Hey. Hey, uh, 
So I've gone, I've got sober from drugs and alcohol uh, years ago, and then I started looking at uh, my sex stuff. And I've always been a porn enthusiast, even since you know I could get it when I was little. When we, you know, stumble across you know one of my buddy's older brother's stash or something, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if the question is whether or not it's an addiction. I think definitely people can be addicted to it, but it's what are the implications of it? For example, if you're addicted to drugs and or alcohol, you can end up dead, in the gutter, you know, unemployable, in jail, all kinds of different things. Whereas with porn addiction, it can, I think, with on the, on the upper extremes, definitely screw people's lives up. But for the most part, I mean, it's not, it's, it's pretty light as far as its impact goes. It, it affects me. It, it, I'm married, you know, and then sometimes I'll rather just, you know, look at videos and have sex with my wife. But that's intermittent. I mean, I, but, I love but, my wife. But there's plenty of guys out there who would rather watch fucking Goodfellas than have sex with their wife or that's would rather point. watch a football game and have sex True. with their wife. You know, the fact that you're not working on your marriage doesn't mean that you're an addict and you're helpless or in real trouble because of your enjoying porn. Well, it, it's just a, I feel like it's like a dark hole fucking going down, looking for pornography and hunting for it. But do you get withdrawal symptoms? Like, let's say you go days and can't look at porn. Oh yeah, I would think that there would that would be part of an addiction to me. And the and going back to it, going to sites that I haven't seen in a while and f seeing new material, new material. It's a fucking high. It's like a good fucking feeling. I start feeling good. Like, oh my God, I haven't seen any of this before. Holy shit. Well, if you're telling us that you're an, an addict, you want us to get help for you? I think I got it under control. You just sat here. And, well, <laughs> Fez even tried to yeah. convince you yeah. Yeah. that you didn't. And you fight to say you have no control over it. You can't mm. give it up. But then the second that it takes, do you want to do some work? You say you have it under control, so we don't know which one it is. It is all right. I, it's not that hard to control, but I'm not looking for any help for it at this time. And now that it's everywhere, it's I think it's probably not as easy for it to destroy a marriage since it's free and you can get it on your phone. Whereas, like past days, I'm guessing people would have maxed out a credit card and just spent that up trying to download when it wasn't free and yeah. But let's sites. say this. If fucking heroin was free, it's not going to cost you money, but the addiction would still destroy your life. Um, that's why I'm not considering this an addiction. Is it really destroying lives? Is it really um, doing that big of a thing? And I don't think that it is. As a matter of fact, pre- porn going on a computer, the amount of men who actually went to fucking places, you know, the way Times Square used to be, small percentages. You know what I mean? People that would repeat that over and over and over. Let's say this about Chris Stanley. If he was cut off for, from porn, would he find himself in a fucking, you know, booth in Times Square jerking off? No, I don't think so. I don't think that would happen, because in the same way, he doesn't cruise for fucking hookers. No. But I bet if his computer had a fucking hooker drop out of the bottom of it and fuck him, he'd do it. No. It's really about the fact that this is easily accessible 
stuff. That's all that it is. Um, here's uh, Andy. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. There's actually a really good TED Talk on this, and it is exactly what Ron just said about the accessibility. It's, it's not porn that's addictive. It's the unlimited access to it that, that actually changes something in the, in the male brain. So, and the stuff that Pep is describing is, is like exactly what this guy talks about in the TED Talk. So, uh, do you know who did this TED Talk? It was a TEDx talk. Um, it was a guy, all I remember was it was a guy who looked like he was the, like, the first, like, patient zero, as in the, the most uh, addicted to pornography there was. Like, the guy giving the talk looked like he had his own problems with porn. Right. Gary well, this, Wilson. Th you know, this takes us back to what we were talking about the other day is that what you really find out is that when people have a lot of choices they don't want to make them or they don't want to take responsibility for them fez uh, told us the other day you were involved for a couple minutes the other day fez about how you wanted god to move us all around like little game pieces and i go but then there would be no point of us even having personalities it's the choices we make responsibility that we take for that which makes us human beings Hicks is the perfect example he tries to convince us of all these reasons why this thing is bad he does it with alcohol he does it with weed drugs pills but then we go well why don't you do this oh no I've got it you know what I mean like mm. he wants both he wants to bitch about things and yet he still wants to play the easy way on this. It's the same with this pornography. It is up to you how often, or if at all, you go and surf pornography. Um, here's uh, Ryan. Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's going on? Um, I just wanted to say, like, I think that the reason that it's so bad is because for the people that are addicted, and I, I think it is an addiction, it's like, me personally, I've been late to work because I had to jerk off. I've been late to like school because I had to jerk off. I've been late meeting up with any friends or family members because I've been sitting in front of the computer fucking jerking off. And it's not something that like, I mean, yeah, I could control it by like not going on, but it's way harder. It really is. I do relate it to like alcohol where, you know, you could go a day without it, but then it's just like you can't comprehend in your own mind why you're going back to it. Am I going back to it because I'm physically addicted or because, like, I I want to come? Or is it because I just fucking have nothing better to do? But you got, you got to look at it, like, right, every but day. But here's thought. We don't know if you'd still be jerking off being late if there was porn or not. You would hopefully be able to do it through your own memories or imagination. So I don't know how you could calls blame the materials for that two you might be the kind of guy who's late for work whether or not you're jerking off or not you might just be a slacker who doesn't give a fuck about appointments i, I would I look into it i i would look into it more before i decided i was somehow defenseless um against uh an outside thing look i do think there's people with sexual disorders. The kind of people that are jerking off at a supermarket or fucking driving past schools yeah. or fucking up their relationships. 
I do think that there are people that need therapy for the way that they do stuff. I don't know if I would call that an addiction. You know what I mean? I don't know whether it's solved through medicine or therapy or some amount of, do of both. But the fact that you would rather look at porn than work, I think is fairly fucking normal. You know what I mean? Uh, most people are not motivated to work. They will get by on as little work as they possibly can and then blame it on all, all other kind of outside things. I'd say the jerking off, like being late because you're doing that, that's a whole separate issue than being addicted to watching pornography, than saying that you're just watching it when you're not even doing that. I think that if you're doing that, you're kind of missing something a whole different aspect in your life that you're kind of filling in with the point. But here's the thing. Haven't you, when you were a kid, not done your homework because there was a fucking TV show on or something? Yeah, yeah. Everybody would rather watch TV than work. You know what I mean? Work has nothing to do with... You're, you're not going to get, uh, particularly with a lot of jobs, the same amount of pleasure that you would whether you fucking got high, watched porn made up, you know, a million other fucking excuses. Because it's something that... What would you rather do? What are you more driven to do? Um, here is uh, Brian in Houston, Texas. You're on the Ronnie Fest Show. Ronnie. Yeah, buddy. Hey, first off, I want to let you know. Uh, dude, I was addicted to heroin for like a year and a half. Uh, probably back in 2006. Okay? Now... Have you ever thought about fucking, you know, needing sex and have sat there with your head banging against the wall because you're physically sick because you don't have that drug in your system? Uh, you know, right. I mean, it's two 100% totally different things. I think and most I, people I, do, I, yeah, most people Ronnie, don't understand, and I hope they never will understand, a I physical do too. addiction. I do too. You know now, what I mean? Ronnie, I, I want to add this to you. When I was in my worst days, and I was out in, in Reno, Nevada, got burned that place down, uh, I listened to you and Opie and Anthony and Timmy, and you son of a bitches made me okay. You know, I was a functioning addict. I went to work every day, you know, but the fact that I could listen to you and actually still be able to laugh meant so much to me, you know, and I just want you guys to know that. Well, All thank right? you so much, bro, and I'm glad I'm glad you're, I'm, uh, you're doing better. I can't ones. believe I'm almost in tears just talking to you about I, it, I, you I, know, I mean. You know, I love you guys. You know, you helped me through everything. And I, I beat the shit on my own. I lived with the drug dealer. The DEA come busting in through the damn door. You know, and that was the last of that drug dealer. <laughs> you know, so, I mm. mean, um, it, it was a really tough time. But, you know, to beat heroin, I got hooked on meth. To mm. beat meth, I moved. <laughs> you know, so it's just rough times. You gotta knock it off. But I can't believe jacking off on a damn computer would have anything in comparison. Um, you know, I'm I'm 47. You know, it's like maybe I'm past my prime of just whacking off on a computer. <laughs> but you know. All right.
right, my friend. I'm glad that you're doing better. Uh, Luke, you're on the Run of Fez show. Well, all I got to say is that uh, sex is natural, just like weed, and I don't think you can get addicted to something that's natural. Well, there's no doubt to me, though, that people have certain compulsive compulsions. I think it's different than an addiction. I think the word addiction probably gets thrown around um, places that, you know, when you're fucking meeting people now, uh, tell you, like, I'm a fantasy football addict. I don't think you're an addict. I think you enjoy it more than the other things in your life. And you're drawn to do it. I don't think it's, you know, life-destroying. Vinny in the Bronx. What's up, Vinny? Hey, Ron. Listen, uh, Jimmy Norton talks about this all the time on his show. He swears he's a sex addict, and I think he claims that it replaced his uh, drug and alcohol addiction. Well, there certainly can be a transference. Um, and I think that's what that uh, study's showing. Yeah. No, the, Hicks is saying just the opposite, that the same exact thing. But they, I, I know people who, let's say, once they uh, quit drugs and alcohol, they will compulsively work out. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons is when they get the drug and alcohol thought, they just start fucking running or working out. I still think it's a different thing. They may be doing it to avoid drugs and alcohol, but I don't think Hicks is physically addicted to pornography. And I think the only reason why he thinks about pornography at all is because it's on the computer and he spends a good time of his life working on the computer. If not, I don't think he'd be running out buying magazines. I used to. And I don't think that he would... Everyone's bought magazines. If you're a fucking addict, then get help for it. At at the point that it comes to you, hey, go get help for any of these things, you won't do it. No. You know what I mean? No. But then you want to sit and bitch that somehow gambling, sex, drugs, food, whatever it happens to be, is a big problem for you. But never once do you go, I've looked into seeing uh, or taking even the slightest step towards fixing any of these problems. You want us to think of you as this train wreck. That that becomes real important to you. But on the other hand, you don't want to fix it at all. If you tell me you're a, uh, you know, the addict guy, that can be your thing if you want to. You're just the addict guy. Um, Here is um, Mike. Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, it's Mike. What's up? Yes, you're on the air, buddy. Hey, I just wanted to add, uh, you know, I thought for the longest time I was addicted to masturbation and addicted to pornography. Uh, And then, you know, I I got injured, uh, started a pain clinic, and I actually got a real addiction to opiates, which resulted in me uh, getting low T, low testosterone. Once that happened, Ronnie, uh, you know, the porn, masturbation, all that was just gone. I mean, it's nothing more than hormones. Uh, An addiction to opiates, that's a real addiction. Uh, Porn and masturbation, you know. Well, now that uh, Dr. Steve is rubbing that um, testosterone on his chest, uh, maybe he's 
Um, getting a porn addiction. Jenny in Wisconsin, you're on the Run Fest show. Hi. Um, first, I want to say Pips. Um, he's great. He sent me something in the mail last week. What a great guy. What did Pips send you? He, he sent me a book and he sent me a CD. Really? What for? Well, because I called last week. I, I haven't been able to listen to you guys all summer because I've been carting my kids oh, around. Oh, yeah, and I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you for that. And I also wanted to just add here this porn addiction. I just don't get it. Um, since the Internet came along, peop- I mean, it's easy- easily accessible. So, of course, people are going to look at it. Why, does it. why is it an addiction? Why do people think it's an addiction? I, I think you know? it's a way for people, they think they don't have to take responsibility for the choices that they make. Rather than oh. saying, I'd rather fucking look at porn than do my work. They go, I'm an addict and I can't help myself. Or in the case of some of these people, they don't live consciously. They're living, they're just letting letting whatever happens, happens. So again, they don't have to take responsibility for that. It just happens. So this is no different really than, you know, being online and, you know, playing solitaire for 10 hours a day. Yeah, and you people know? will also do that. Is somebody an Angry Birds addict because... They find that they feel more relaxed playing Angry Birds than they do doing their work? No. I, it's like you said. People don't want to do their work, so they'll be honest and then say that they're addicts. So then what happens after they claim they're addicts? Do they go get help for it or, you know, what happens? No, 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 no. No, no they just say it, no. and then that's a giveaway. Then that means, um, you know, oh, okay, you're an addict. All right, gotcha. So excuse me then. Okay. Excuse me for not getting my work right. done. No, yeah, not getting my work. I can't uh, help it. All right, thanks. Right. Peace. Thanks. Um, Vito and Shelby, you two grew up with the computer in the home, right? Yeah. So the you don't have a before or after the computer view of the world. The world that you know has just had computers in it. There's always been pornography on that computer during your life. Did you start looking at pornography when you were a little kid? Fuck yeah. What age were you? I don't know, probably like 7th grade. About 7th grade. Found Bang Bros. Started living the life, just come home from 7th, 8th grade, just jump on that computer, watch those free trailers. Oh. And that's that was it for you. What about you, Shelby? I don't think I was in 7th grade... Maybe a little later. Right. Like freshman high school. Now, maybe. was the computer in your room, or was it somewhere where the whole family can get to? It was my room. All right. What about you, Shelby? Oh, God, no. It was, like, off... I mean, like, the computer I used, it was kind of mine, but it was, like, off of the kitchen. Right. And I think some porn was found on it, <laughs> so it was, like, turned. <laughs> so, like, I was, like, watching it, like, 20 feet away. It was, like, my stepmom, like, sitting there cooking. I'm, like, oh, I can't really look up anything here. <laughs> so, would you ever do that while your stepmom was close? Would you still try to get some porn snakes in with the volume down? No. Like, I, I can't, I don't need to risk this. Uh, what about you, Vates? Were you ever caught? We, we shared my computer. It was in my, and, like, plus, my room is in the middle of the bathroom and the living room. Mm-hmm. So, like, I really don't have privacy. But we shared my computer, and I remember when I was a little kid, my mom goes to like look up something online, and I just hear a scream, 
<laughs> and she goes, what the fuck is big sausage pizza? <laughs> and she calls me and she's like, what is this? Are you gay? Are you looking up dicks? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, mom, you don't understand. Like they cut a hole in it. And then like the girl and then and then she was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's not that I'm gay, but I do want to see some guy get blown. Um. All right, so she knew at that age that you were using the home computer to look up porn. Yeah. And how many people live in your home? Just me and my mom. You and your mom. So this made it even more awkward yeah. when you think about it. Here's the two of you. You're living together. And this person that just really a few years before she was teaching to walk is now looking at big sausage pe uh, um, pizza and pulling his fucking dick. <laughs> What we put, you know, it's very weird for kids. It's very, very strange what uh, kids, you know, that thing of being so much of it and so easily available. But then what do we say to kids? Oh, don't do it. Don't look that up. Here's Pepper. Yeah. As an adult, we can't say to him, don't do it. Do you, do, mm. An adult's not going to take responsibility for himself. Uh... How can a fucking kid? Here's Lee in Indiana. You're on the Run and Fez show. Yeah, Ron, I think you're absolutely right. It goes hand in hand with that. I've got OCD or I've got I've got ADD. When it's really just an abdication of personal responsibility. It is weird that once we get to name something, you know what I mean? Then we have a place to put. Uh, I apparently I've never met a person now. Who A doesn't have panic attacks and B doesn't have an OCD, and a lot of times people be like, "I clean my house. That's my OCD." And I think you're supposed to clean your fucking house. <laughs> I have to do my dishes. That's an OCD of mine. Not a pretty good idea. When it comes to porn, I think it's just people getting trapped in that fantasy because sex is like. I guess the ultimate fantasy because with other things like if you see some awesome ad for a jet ski you can go relatively just go and ride the jet ski like the next day but it's not like you can see a really hot chick okay I'm gonna go have sex with that hot chick but online there's just so much of that fantasy whatever's in your head so you can just get lost in that all right but your TV is probably on eight fucking hours a day yeah you watch the shows if you're watching a movie your fantasy life moves in that. If you're watching stand-up, you'll start laughing like you're in an audience. But then you're not turning around going like this. I honestly think I have a TV addiction. As soon as I come into my house, I turn it on. Because we think of that as normal now. I don't think it's an addiction. I think you probably are watching... Too much porn, and you ought to cut back on it a little bit and do some other stuff. It's just a very mild one. Look, you took it away. I don't think you're going to start shaking. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that you have to cut it out of your life completely. I do think you should get your work done. There's that uh, piece that you put up, Shelby, on the show the other day of that fucking cop uh, who arrested an entire family and is ready to <laughs> taser them. Just one by one, the ladies. It's so freak. fucking funny. You raised my arms too high. <laughs> you put it up as crazy cop. It's up on the eye bank. You will see this cop arrest the whole family, and everybody in the neighborhood is pissed off at him. I love the guy. Is like, is it not nine one one? That it. That is what I type, right? 
Yes, sir. 911. Uh, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Crazy Toledo Cop is the name of it if you want to look it up. It's hysterical. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, I knew this kid that would, uh, he would smoke crack and jerk off for three days straight. Yeah. And then one time I walked in because I thought he had OTs and he had a crack pipe in one hand. And he was fingering his asshole. <laughs> Dude, did you just start jerking off next to him? I mean, you're the guy hanging out with him. Um, Drew in Canada, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I used to uh, jack off back when I got a computer back in like 95 out of 56K modem. I think I was in grade six. And I would jack off for so long. My dad would come downstairs. He thought I had a fucking fever running. He would feel my head. He'd be like, you okay? But I was all wrapped up in a blanket, just twinking it, <laughs> staring at this fucking 15-inch monitor. And uh, he never really understood computers or anything like that. So I just had my way after every fucking day at school. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. I think if there hadn't been any computer, you would have been some guy fucking jerking off to the Sears and Robux mailbox. <laughs> oh, you guys the used to do that before catalog, they could get, you know what I mean? They were fucking, you know, it's not like Abe Lincoln didn't jerk off when he was a kid. He did. He'd be fucking jerking off reading a novel. My God. <laughs> it's fucking it's unbelievable. So fucking growing a dude, doing stuff, walking around, holding hands. He's just fucking slapping it. I tried jerking off to the online version of Sears, but it's not the same as the no, hard it's copy. Not. Well, I mean, you're only going to do it when you've got nothing else. Believe me, if you're fucking, if you were uh, on a desert island and all you had was a Sears, you guys would be fighting it over it all the time. Where's that fucking mail at? Right, look at this uh, up on the 42 today, this Italian actress. What exactly is her name? It's uh, Monica Bellucci. The answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything is... Forty-two. Now, this is 42 beautiful pictures of Monica Belushi. Uh, if you look at this, yeah, what do you want to do? Take away a world where this could happen? Look at him trying to be, um, use the pointer at the nipples. <laughs> he thinks it's a homage or parody, and I honestly think that he has a rip-off personality. Remember that time with that podcast? No, you're a huge fan of hers, Chris? Yeah, she's com ridiculously gorgeous. Uh, she was in the second and third uh, Matrix movies. She was um, one of the program's wives, She was, and she looked gorgeous in that. Oh, it's the one where um, she was supposed to be French in that, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where he wrote the program to make the other fucking shit cut. Exactly, so She's yeah. fucking beautiful. Yeah. She made Neo kiss her. Uh-huh, yeah, that's, that's the exact chick, yeah. Yeah, he should have dumped Trinity for her. Yeah, what the that fuck? That would have been the doing? best fucking Matrix ever. <laughs> uh, I decided I'm not with you, Trinity. This other fucking odd check wants me. It's the 42. She's stunning. Yeah, she's uh, ridiculously hot. And then uh, I think uh, in the, like, the mid 2000s, she was in a film where uh, she was raped, where people. Um, Is that the to... one in the hallway? Yeah. Yeah. That was if a... you guys are jerking off the rape scenes <laughs> in regular movies, <laughs> you're sick. <laughs> Seriously, was, you're sick. It was very graphic. It was it was very graphic uh, scene. Look, I I wasn't hard the whole time. I fought it. 
Even so. if you had to fight it, I think it's a bad thing. <laughs> I was needed a challenge. <laughs> I don't think people should be sitting around jerking off the straw dogs. <laughs> oh, the original. I mean, she kind of liked it at the end. Oh, no. Come, look at her face. No. She wanted it. No, Or at least she, if she didn't want it, she like learned that, hey, maybe this isn't so bad. Oh, Chris. Like, I'm getting raped, but kind of feels good. <laughs> the fact that you even think that... Saying. No. Just saying. No. Yeah, Shelbo, there's that's the scene there. <laughs> I've never seen this. That's really intense. He's Well, can I just say this? If you've never seen Straw Dogs, you shouldn't just watch it from the rape scene. <laughs> there's a whole you're a film guy. Now this is from Irreversible. This is Miss Bellucci. She's yelling an Italian at her. I can see the pain in her eyes. You guys are fucking disgusting. It's very fan, you know. Well, anyway, it's up on the eye bang as part of the 42. Ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything is... Forty-two. This is a gorgeous one. Um, do we got a break? Yeah, we should break. Because Eddie's coming in in a second? Yeah. We're going to get the ranking from What'd you say, Fez? I said this is a little hot. Mmm. What, you got half your headphones off? One ear isn't working. Mm. Those are our headphones here. All right, one we uh, break. Eddie Trunk's going to be in in just a minute. He's got a brand new book uh, out called uh, Eddie Trunk's Essential Hard Rock and Metal Volume 2. Um, his Twitter is at Eddie Trunk. Why don't we do a first responders? We'll get you signed Eddie Trunk uh, book sent to the first responders for at Eddie Trunk. Eddie Trunk's Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal Volume 2, eddietrunk.com. So, uh, for first responders, we're going to get you the signed book. Also, he's doing a signing tomorrow night, but it's at Eddie Trunk, at Eddie Trunk for first responders. Uh, and when we come back, we'll do the rank game with the best hard rock band of all time. Uh, and we're taking the top seven from VH1's list, and we're going to rank them right back as Run and Fez. You're enjoying the Run and Fez show on Sirius XM's OB and Anthony channel. More in moments.
buddies. It's the Ron Fez Show. That's Aerosmith, artist of the day. Eddie Drunk himself is in the studio with us. His book is out signing uh, tomorrow night at the Hard Rock in New York City. Eddie Drunk's essential hard rock and heavy metal volume two. How you doing, Eddie? Good, boys. Good to see you. Well, we were just hanging out together the other night. Yeah, I had a good time at the Apollo. The um, How many times did you see Metallica? Oh, God. Couldn't even begin to... Me I mean, I'd say, if I was just guessing, maybe 35. Mm. And I'm, first time I saw them was before they had a record, before their first record came out. Mustaine was in the band, and wow. they were opening for Vandenberg. Hmm at a club on Staten Island, and I have the ticket stub to prove it. Because what people don't realize about Metallica, because they're known as a Bay Area band, but their roots and their beginnings are in New Jersey, where I've lived my whole life. And I saw them. They were fixtures on the Jersey club scene. That's where they got their start. Because they were signed to a label called Megaforce as an independent band, and that, lab that label was based in New Jersey. So they actually lived here for a while, lived in Jersey for a while, and were very, very... You know, worked the Jersey club scene for a little bit uh, as they started coming up. So I saw them a lot back then. No uh, idea that they were going to get so massive, 100 million. No. Uh, I mean, who could ever tell no. that that's going to happen? Well, in my first book, which Metallica's covered in the first book, there's a, a, a story about, you know, I have, I have a huge connection. Metallica's hugely important to my career indirectly because... They were the band. Their success was one of the reasons why I was able to get my first radio show on the air in 83. My radio show is 30 years old this year, and it started in 83 when Kill 'Em All came out. Because that I was working in a record store. That album came out, was selling like crazy. No one would touch it with a 10-foot pole on the radio. And I went to the local radio station that I grew up with in Jersey, and I said, you guys got to be playing this. We're, we're selling it like crazy in the record store. No, no, we can't touch that. And then uh, I said, give me a couple hours on the weekend. Let me play what I want. And they did. And then uh, the guy who signed um, Metallica originally, Johnny Z, it came up to, you know, with the, when their album came out, uh, the full album came out, came up to the studio and said, hey, man, we want to, uh, will you give me a chance and play this band? Because I can't get them played anywhere on the radio. And I did. And he told me if this label will ever take off and I can ever get this band to break, I'm going to hire you to work for my label. It did, and he did. And two years later, I started a record company job because of that. So it was all tied together. My, my history with Metallica, like I said, is indirectly was very important. So how did you like that show the other night? Maybe the best show I ever saw Metallica play. I thought it was phenomenal. Unbelievable. Uh, of how much they came to fucking play that place like you know i thought oh maybe they'll come in they'll do seven eight songs they did they played like they were playing in front of a hundred two and a half people. hours yeah two and a half hours and i mean it wasn't just that that made it so great it was the set list the songs they picked you know metallica does stadiums and they got all this huge production and everything but just to see it stripped down on a stage like that sounding that good i mean it was loud but it was clean and it was mm -hmm. so so good and listen i mean the historic aspect of the apollo plays into that too i was telling you when i saw you ron that um i was talking to their manager remember i said mm -hmm. i was that that guy manages metallica cliff and i've known cliff forever and i said to cliff i said cliff how long are they going to play he's like well we're talking about 90 he said but uh he goes they're so amped to do this who knows when they're going to end and they ended up doing a whole extra hour i mean they came out twice for encores i wonder if that's costing us because there's always uh 
There's uh, always kind of deals in, with union deals. I was told. I was told they were contracted to do ninety, mm-hmm. and anything over that was welcome and pretty much gratis. I guess so. Well, it was a phenomenal show to see. It was also cool to be with those winners and see people like literally having the best night of their life. Yeah. Like if you're a long term fan of that band, how long has it been that they've been playing big arenas? Twenty five years, maybe. To to see them come back and play a theater was just fucking crazy. And they will do stuff like that, especially in Europe. The, like if they're playing like a big festival, like the night before they'll play the festival, they'll they'll announce themselves playing as a uh, under a different name. They'll just announce some some wacky name and and some tiny club, and it'll be them. They actually play for over an hour. In the in backstage before they even take the stage, they, they have really? a really rigorous warm up that they that they do as well. And even at their own festival, Orion earlier this year, they played as a band called Dahan, which is the name of the actor in their mo- new movie, and they announced themselves as a surprise gig on a side stage. So they do a lot of stuff like that throughout their career. Uh, Hetfield's personality has changed so much. Yeah. Over the years, he's so more adjusted. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's really, and I don't know if everybody would feel like there's a compliment, but more like an entertainer. Like he gets the fact that people there, you know, he reminds me more of a traditional show business frontman where he used to be such a surly son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, listen, I mean, all you got to do is watch the movies to know that he's got a long history of issues and and you know whatever substances and also you know obviously a, a rough upbringing and you know yeah he has a guy had a huge chip on his shoulder for a long time and had a lot of demons but he's come out the other end amazingly and he's looking and sounding better than he ever has yeah incredibly underrated guitar player from a rhythm guitar standpoint and uh he's you know, to see him smiling and having fun like that, he was he was goofing with the crowd, Working like in the crowd. Oh, like I yeah, said, I mean, smiling. Yeah, you know, there was uh, a lot of that. There was like he wants people to have a really good time. He wants this to be a special night. It was weird. I'm dude. laughing because I think of like the hardcore, super old school Metallica guard, or probably think like, "Fuck that, he's a pussy now, man. Right. Yeah. He's fucking, he's a, he should be fucked funny, up yeah. and be breaking shit." You know, that, that's but. that's why I like almost hesitant to to say entertainer because it's seen <laughs> as a bad thing. But he was really totally a, a front man. And Kurt Hammond, I've always been a fucking just huge fan about everything about that. Fucking kid. You know who taught him, huh? Right? Yeah, Satriani, yeah, right? Yeah. But there's just something in his personality, you know what I mean? Like talk about a guy who who just rides it. You know what I mean? Just rides along with it. No drama out of him. Just just gets it. He lives in Hawaii, he surfs, he just right. he's a beach dude. He just you know, I I I, I it's, He's just a total laid-back guy. We had him on that metal show, and a lot of people were like, how did you pull that off? Because he's a pretty, you know, he's not a real talkative guy. He doesn't right. do a lot of stuff like that. But I, I have had, we've had Lars on twice, which is obvious. Lars is the right. talker. But Kirk, I got on, and this is a funny story, because he's like, dude, I'm surfing in Hawaii. I don't know. And I got him on because um, he and I share a huge love of UFO, the band UFO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Shanker and UFO, an enormous influence on Kirk Hammett, as is the original guitarist in Scorpions, Uli John Roth. 
huge influences. When you listen to that Kirk solos, if you know those two players, you hear those players in Kirk, and he'll be the first to tell you. And I got Uli John Roth to be on the show that Kirk Hammett was on, if you saw that episode. And the day Kirk Hammett came to shoot that, I told him, I said, I got Uli coming the same day. He goes, I'm there. And the same day that we shot that episode, I'll never forget, Kirk walks in the backstage of the set, gives me a wave, and he's carrying his guitar. And he goes in Yuli's dressing room, closes the door, and they're in there for like 45 minutes. He comes out. I go, what the hell was that? He goes, went and got a guitar lesson. I said, what? Him and Yuli, they had set it up in advance that they were going to meet and wow. that he was going to sit there and Yuli was going to show him some stuff. And that's so cool for him to wear that on his sleeve because, listen, 99% of the people listening right now have no idea who Lee John Roth is. Right. But everybody knows who Kirk is. But Kirk wears that on his sleeve. I mean, those are his guys. It's really cool. And it's also cool to be like, even at this point in his career, to act like I want to learn oh, yeah. some of that shit. Because a lot of guys act like they invented everything. You know what I mean? Nothing happened before them. I asked that to Satriani. I just had him on my show recently on the radio. And I said, I said, you know, the guys you taught, I mean, a guy like Kirk Hammett, did you see in him what he would become? You know, you've taught a lot of guys. Did you see what he would turn into? And Satriani said, yeah, he just had this willingness to learn. He want, he was so dedicated to it. You could see that he was really going to take his influences and then go to his level and, and develop it. And he never gets caught up in the rock star shit like so many other people. No, I mean, listen, back in the day, all those guys were whacked out of their head. They all no, went but I don't mean it, but... I don't mean that, but the drama of I want to go do my other stuff and fighting, he's always the guy that seems like he just slides along with it, you know? Yeah, like I said, his, his thing is being on the beach in Hawaii, surfing and kicking back. I mean, that's what he's about. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to... And his other, and Kirk's other huge passion, and he, my publisher actually put out a book from him um, last year. Oh, the he, horror stuff? Horror stuff. He, he has literally a house dedicated to, like, Lon Chaney stuff and all old school horror stuff. That's why his guitars are decorated like some of that too. Ouija boards and shit. Super into old horror stuff. Like I'm not into that stuff that much, but he's crazy into collecting that. I think it also is good when people have other passions too, besides what they do every day. You know. Yeah. Um, you, this book is out, and uh, you know, just to read the back page of this. Of all the people. It's a little crazy when I do that, man, because I, I, I read some of those things and it's like, who, who are they talking about? Because right. it doesn't feel like me. Nikki Six is saying, uh, talking about the passion you have. David Coverdale says, thank God for Eddie Trunk, Hagar, Lita Ford, uh, because it has been, whether you set out to be, but you are the one that is helping uh, to keep some of this stuff alive. And educating new generations. If you're a young person that didn't have a chance to see a lot of the stuff in the 70s and 80s, you know, a lot. this is the perfect stepping stone to come in on what Eddie has done with his books. One of the biggest compliments I heard about the first book when it came out a couple years ago was from people who told me that they brought, they, they or still to this day, they purchase that first book and they give it to younger people and they give it to people who aren't necessarily in hard rock or metal and say, 
look at this as like a primer. Take a look at the stories. Take a look at the information about the bands. Take a look at the playlists. I've heard from people who have taken my playlists and download them and, and put them on their iTunes. They've discovered new bands through it. You know, you know just about anybody, half the bands people are going to love. Maybe the other half people never heard of, and they learn about them. So I didn't really intend for it to these books to be any sort of guide, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But when I hear from people who tell me how much they, they use them like that uh, in a way. It really is really incredible. And you know, Halford did the forward on the first book, this new one, Slash did the forward. So, I mean, to have that sort of uh, connection with these artists that I'm such a huge fan of, it's, as I said, I read the quotes and stuff on the back. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're even talking about me. But it is kind of cool when you put this together, even if there's some bands that you don't like, you see that they kind of belong in that kind of mosaic of this whole genre of music, you know what I mean? That you can't have one without the other. We were talking about, hey, how did people, why did people start to look like um, the hair bands of the late 80s? Like, why did suddenly everyone start to dress that way? And we traced it all the way back, I think, to somebody who wrote about here. Angel was really, really, really early on one of those bands that other people started to dress like. So even if you're not into every single aspect of it, you'll find out why some of these guys came up to look a certain way. It's funny you bring up Angel. I, this book is this book doesn't come out till tomorrow, but I've already done some press and in every interview I've done people have brought up the band Angel. Is that and right? and I got to be honest with you, Angel was this close to not making this book only because I didn't know how many people would care. And there were two bands that I put into this new book that I selfishly did just to kind of expose them a little bit. One was Angel and the other is a New York band called Riot. But neither right. band broke through in a big way, but both were important for different reasons. And I really more selfishly included them because I wanted people to learn a little bit about them. In the case of Angel, they were a super theatrical band from the 70s. And people either, well, I always say about Angel, and I've even said this to the band's members, people have either, either loved Angel or never heard of them. Like right. there's no gray area yeah, in between. Right. It's never like, yeah, they were okay. No, yeah. they either love them or who. And uh, if you grew up in the 70s into music, Angel was on the cover of like every magazine. They, they The perception was Angel was this huge band because they had this huge marketing machine behind them, but they never broke through. But they did a ton of cool stuff. They, they had uh, Doug Henning uh, put their stage show together where they yeah. materialize on stage. They had a logo, which if you turned upside down, it's still read the same way like all this cool stuff they right. were like the white clean pretty kiss yeah there was something about their sense of of bringing some of that style and theatrical thing that a lot of people picked up on i think a lot of people when they were younger before they even played went oh i see that's what a rock star does yeah. that's what i want to do one day who in here uh for you is like one of the more important bands uh boy um there's a there's a number of them uh riot again was super important to me uh growing up i love there's an album called fire down under uh, they never broke through but again super important band check out that record overkill on the heavier side uh people always talk about the big four which is metallica anthrax megadeth slayer to me if there's a big five overkill should be in there incredibly underrated band and uh love those guys i wanted so bad to get them in the first book i'm glad i got them in this marilyn manson in this book uh 
I've always been a huge fan of Manson's music. I think when people talk about Manson, they talk about everything but, and mm -hmm. I think his records are unbelievable. Um, I'm just skimming through it myself. Uh, King's X, a band that I have a big history with. Uh, Glenn Hughes, uh, remarkable, the story of, of what he's been through and the fact that he's still as good as he is at 65 or whatever. Um, there's two artists in this book that I did... Um, I did solo. Uh, they, they're somewhat featured in the first book, but they, they've gotten their own solo treatment in this book. And that's Slash, who did the foreword. But I wanted to talk about Slash outside of guns. In the first book, you know, I included him with guns. Mm -hmm. This is all about everything he's done besides guns. So that would be Snake Pit, Velvet Revolver, his current band. And the other artist, because he's so personal to me and we I have so much history and friendship with him, is Ace Freely. You know, Ace is, of course, talked about in the first book with Kiss, but in this, is all about Ace's solo career, which I actually signed him to in 86. And I did it working for a label, and it was the first thing I that Ace did outside of Kiss. So uh, that's obviously really important to me, and, and Ace has been a friend ever since. Just celebrated being seven years sober. He's making a new record, and we've done a lot of stuff together over the decades. So I wanted to do something standalone on him, Ace outside of Kiss, and tell some of those stories too. So those are just what comes to mind off the top of my head. You know, and the fact that Ace is fucking sober means that you can't give up on people because there was no fucking way that guy was I ever going to get sober. I mean, you're talking of decades of of stories about him being trashed, and then suddenly now you can say seven years sober. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's an amazing run. And, uh, you, of course, the stories are notorious. I mean, driving a DeLorean the wrong way down the West Side Highway against oncoming traffic. I mean, you name it. I mean, that guy's lived a hundred lives, and he's still he's still kicking. And I'm, I'm really proud of him. I mean, of course, I've always been a huge fan, and, and we became close friends. But above and beyond everything, I'm just proud of him that he's healthy. Uh, the book... Is out and everywhere. I mean, I know you can go to uh, Eddie Trunk's Essential Hard Rock Heavy Metal. You can go to EddieTrunk.com. Uh, also on Twitter for first responders at Eddie Trunk at Eddie Trunk. Uh, but this is going to be available every all over. Yeah, the place. it's not. You can't get it on my website, but you can get it anywhere you buy books, physical or digital, starting tomorrow. iTunes, any bookstore, Amazon, and uh, the first signing, as you mentioned, is tomorrow night, six thirty to eight thirty at the Hard Rock in Times Square. And then, if I can run them down real quick, because I'm sure. going on a coast to coast book tour, um, starts tomorrow, and then Wednesday I'm at Barnes and Noble, Morris Plains, New Jersey, on Route Ten. Uh, Thursday, Staten Island, Barnes and Noble. Friday, the twenty seventh. I am in uh, Cincinnati, Joseph Beth Bookseller, then the 28th. I'm in Cleveland, Loganberry Books. That's in the afternoon. It's a Saturday. starts at 2. And I'm excited to do the uh, I'm doing the House of Blues in Chicago this Sunday. Oh, cool. At, uh, right in the theater there. We're going to do a Q&A and then a signing. Uh, and then from there, I go to Milwaukee, Boswell Book, on Tuesday, October 1st. Changing Hands, Tempe, Arizona, Wednesday, October 2nd. Book Soup, West Hollywood, California, Thursday, October 3rd. Hard Rock in Vegas, just before Motley Crue plays wow. at the Vinyl Theater. And that's uh, a week from Friday, October 4th. And then there's one more in Jersey, October 11th, Barnes & Noble, Eatontown. And there will be more added. And the one thing I want to tell everybody about these signings, and if you missed any of them, just go to eddietrunk.com. They're all listed there, and I'll add more there. But a lot of people have asked me about getting tickets to them or getting into them. They're totally free. You just have to show up. I mean, you don't, you don't need any tickets. There's no admission. Some places may make you buy a book, but that's up to them. But I just want to see people, so come out. Um. 
right, here's something we wanted to play with you, Eddie. And this is off of the VH1 website where they came up with the biggest hard rock bands of all time. We got the top seven. We thought we'd rank them. Number one ranked. Goodman's made it into the top ten. Also agreed on their second favorite team. Rank! This is a top six list. Countdown, the 100 most amazing. Ranked! Top spot in this week's bottom ten rankings. After a top ten best list, does come a top ten worst list. Ranked! There were three, maybe four in your first round, but none are in the first round this year, and none are in my second round either. Position! Let's find out oh, if you stop. are the official champion. Number one. Rank! 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 Position! They had them as their top seven. These won't be in order. Hard rock bands of all time. A, see if anybody's been left out. And B, we've got to rank the ones that we have. Shelby, who's up there? Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, Metallica, Nirvana, and Van Halen. Mm. Anybody don't belong there? Nirvana. Yeah. Right out of the shoot, Nirvana is the one that doesn't belong. Nothing against Nirvana, but not not in that caliber of bands you just mentioned. I mean, let, uh, Nirvana's a couple records, their mm -hmm. history. I mean, three, four records, whatever it is, you can't you can't do that. I think if we were ranking uh, grunge bands, sure. Yeah. You would put them up there. What is? Uh, did you ever see Zeppelin? In no. I saw them, but not... I saw them with... Um, you know what? The one time I saw a version of Zeppelin was the Atlantic Records 40th anniversary, which is like, right. by the band's account, considered pretty much a debacle. Mm. I think Phil Collins played drums for him or whatever. Yeah. That was the only time I saw a version of Zeppelin, but ne never the Zeppelin. You did, right? Oh uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, but then I remember when they played uh, Live Aid, I think they had Phil Collins playing for them too, right? But I saw him once in the 70s, though. Maybe the Atlantic Party was Tony Thompson playing drums from the Power Station and right. Chic. I think he did a gig with them, too. I could have went to the thing five years ago in England mm -hmm. for Ahmed again. Right. That was just put out on DVD. I, I was offered a ticket and, like, an ass I didn't go because I was convinced that... That I'd go all the way to England. It was like two days before Thanksgiving. And then at the end of the show, Robert Plant would say... We'd like to announce we'll be performing at the Garden in a month. And <laughs> right. I'm like, shit! I just came on. So, and they, of course, they never did, but everybody thought they were going to do an American show at least. Yeah. So that burns, burns me to this day. Um, of course, so all the rest of these bands have right away put Nirvana at the bottom because I'm going to agree that they don't even belong on the list. I mean, Hendrix is interesting inclusion because, I mean, Hendrix, of course, gets every accolade he should as a pioneer of of the genre but i to me hendrix almost kind of predates he's more psychedelic yeah. than what these guys are doing yeah so what do you consider would you consider cream the first really sabbath. hard rock band sabbath S sabbath before cream yeah now we're not talking metal just hard rock itself well then you could go to iron butterfly i mean look you could go really crazy if you want to get back you could go to cream of course you could get into I mean, some people would say Steppenwolf just because they said right. Heavy Metal Thunder. I mean, you could really... But but the reason why when people say the band that kind of defined the term metal 
and I always say Sabbath in 1970s because to me Sabbath is everything that encompassed heavy metal the image the the vibe the feel the sound I mean you put on the first Sabbath record which is now 43 years old and the first song Black Sabbath and the chimes and the heaviness of that riff right. it's still as dark and heavy as it was recorded basically like on a cassette tape back then in one day and it's still as heavy and jarring as anything so sabbath is to me 1970 the first sabbath record is to me where metal started getting into hard rock then you can get into these other things we're talking about i think all right so if we're just going to hard rock and this is off of vh1 uh, they didn't consult me on this list, by yeah, the way. And I've only not. worked there 12 years, so. Uh, and you felt like you should have been in on well, it. I know. They don't have to ask me about uh, anything. Anybody just... missing that you think belongs there? Give me it again. I, you have it written down somewhere? Zeppelin, Sabbath, Hendrix, ACDC, Van Halen, Metallica, and Nirvana. The two biggest bands for me growing up were Kiss and Aerosmith. Mm -hmm. And neither are on that list. Neither made the top seven. I think both of them were outside the top ten. I would have put Aerosmith on this list. Um, definitely ACDC was a better live band. If you've never seen that band play live, they would fucking turn rooms over. Mm -hmm. They really were one of Did those. Did you ever see them with Bond? Uh, yeah, very early on. In, in the 70s as well um, but it was almost can, like reckless it was almost back then like not considered on the same it was almost like a fucking underground thing for a while with them um, let me ask you Ronnie let me yeah. ask you the most important question of any band did you ever see Angel live no I did not see Angel live <laughs> there you go you know, <laughs> I needed to know. I mean, because I never did either. Yeah. And they're the only band I ever wrote about in either of my two books that I never saw live in any form. Now, actually, I shouldn't say that. They did like a diluted version of the band, like in the 90s, but it wasn't the same thing. There was like two original guys. They didn't have the show or anything. But. All right. So who's number one? You're going to rank number one here. Me? Gonna, yeah. I. You don't have them printed out, do you? No, we're uh, we we underproduce everything. You're green. Yeah. You're running green? Okay. Like to just watch. <laughs> All right, well, you got to put Sabbath at one. All right, there you go. Let Zeppelin go. Well, actually, you're talking hard rock and heavy yeah. metal. All right, then go Zeppelin one, because there wouldn't have been a Sabbath without a Zeppelin. And go Zep, uh, Ze Sabbath two. Um, scroll down a little. Let me see the other ones that are there. Uh, now, what are we doing about these ones that we don't think belong? Like, they have we to go at the bottom. Oh, so they have to be included in this seven now. They can't be booted out and replaced. They're being Rogers. Yeah, because we do not run VH1 here. I don't either. Go go ACDC 3. Go Van Halen 4. I'm not trying to knock on Hendrix. It's just that it's... You feel like it's like a thing yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah, yeah. I so, get it. So go go, uh, stick Metallica up there. Game changer there. And go ahead. And then it goes Hendrix and Nirvana. Is that what we got? So you're yeah. actually going to put Metallica below Whoa. Van Halen. Oh, yeah. You have to. Oh, you have to. Van Halen changed everything. Van Halen predates Metallica by five years at least. But do you think that they stayed as true to... Hard rock. 
to me, it's not about staying true. I mean, I think that Van, Van Halen is and always will be a hard rock man. But, I mean, I could almost make the case of putting Van Halen almost above ACDC, but, I, I, but for seniority, I won't. But, uh, no, Van Halen, to me, and I, I write this in book one, which Van Halen is in, to me, Van Halen is as important as the Zeppelin records, the first four Van Halen records, mm -hmm. for America. As an American band, they're yeah. like, I mean, completely game-changing when people heard the first Van Halen record. I mean, I, I just, I don't think there's been a band, the first four records, untouchable. Untouchable. And I do like the Sammy Hagar era, but I look at it as a different band. But I do love that stuff as well. Well, here's the interesting thing, too, of not having Aerosmith in. If there's no Aerosmith, you probably don't have a Van Halen. You know I mean? That's how these things start to get fucking stacked up. Where so many of those guys were just setting out to go, holy shit, you don't have to be, you know, English. We can do this kind of music over here. And the band in the top three right now, above Van Halen, we have ACDC, Sabbath, Zeppelin, are all bands that Van Halen was playing covers of in right. Southern California as they were coming up on the bar scene. So, and, and uh, Van Halen on one of their first tours opened for Sabbath. Um, here's uh, Doug in Boston. You're on Run Fez. Yeah, guys. Uh, Eddie, it's a uh, pleasure to talk to you. Listen, Thanks, in 76, I lived in Pittsburgh, and I saw uh, Van Halen open for Black Sabbath. And uh, most amazing, I had the first album, I still remember sitting in my room, smoking a bong, listening to uh, uh, the great stuff off the first album. But when Sabbath came on, I fell asleep. I mean, they were, like, not good at all. The, the and, story, uh, well, that was a rough time for Sabbath, yeah. first of all, because they were kind of falling apart, and they had been through it already, and they had been whacked out of their heads and barely could stand up. But And then you got this young band from Southern California just bringing it at their peak. Um, but oh, it was unbelievable. It's I funny because, it. it's funny, hold on, Doug, because you know what's funny is that everybody talks about that tour and how Van Halen destroyed Sabbath on that tour. But, but when we had Tony Iommi on the show, Jim Florentine's an enormous Sabbath fan, and he was yelling at Tony Iommi, it didn't happen, right? To, <laughs> you you got to admit, it didn't happen. It still was good, right? You guys still were better than Van Halen. It didn't happen. And Iommi's just sitting there like, well, we had some good gigs, and, you know, because there's this perception that Sabbath Van Halen was, annihilated them. And Sabbath was kind of a joke because they couldn't fucking keep their shit together, you know, drugs and alcohol-wise there for a while. Same thing happened to Aerosmith after yeah. that. Um, the Who went through that same kind of period where you would show... The Stones went through that period where you were like, this is a fucking joke. I'm sorry, I'm glad you guys are having fun and you're partying, <laughs> but you've just shit all over this. I saw the Stones once in the 70s where maybe they did eight songs or something and then was that the most fucked up you've ever seen went to a show and saw the band on stage where they were that uh, incapacitated well, the fucking bottles started fucking flying man <laughs> I mean, it was a, it Fuck. was a hundred thousand people who waited in the fucking heat and you're seeing i don't know peter frampton or some shit and <laughs> like the stones are coming through, you know and they come out and they're just fucking ah, and they're like shit uh. and then they just leave you're like Jesus you know that's Christ. philly 
they would fucking light up the stage no matter what, you know, on a good night. I saw two, I saw my two most inebriated bands on stage I ever saw is I saw Aerosmith, but it would have been around 81. Joe Perry had already left because he couldn't stand right. up. He had, Jim, they had Jimmy Crespo and they had a guy named Rick Dufay playing and Tyler was barely able to stand. And one of those shows, it wasn't the one I was at, but the night next night he, he collapsed on the stage. Jimmy Crespo, who was in Aerosmith for like four years as Perry's replacement, told me it was his first gig with the band. Tyler passed out on stage mid-set, and he thought it was part of the act, and he because he didn't know, and he was over, and he was kicking him in the ribs while playing in front of everybody, trying to get him up. Yeah. But the other one that comes to mind for me of seeing a band, a guy completely on another planet on stage was Van Halen. When they reunited with Hagar, when was that? Maybe 03. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The, I'm bad with years, but in that period, the last reunion with Hagar, I saw him at the Meadowlands, and it was it's well known that Eddie was out of his tree. And he, in that first half of that show, I swear to you, was playing a different song than the rest of the band. I mean, it. and Sammy, in his book, writes about it because he says, whenever Eddie would come to the stage with what Sammy calls samurai hair, meaning he had his hair pulled up on top in a bun, <laughs> he goes, we knew it was on, that he was out of his fucking head. Right. And I'll never forget, I swear to you guys, I'm sitting in the Meadowlands, this is 10 years ago, and Eddie Van Halen walks out doing his like scissor kicks and all that, and he's got his hair up in this little samurai bun. And I did this. Sammy wrote his book yeah. years later. But I'm like, that's a little strange. But it was even more strange when he was playing a different song than the other rest of the guys. And that same show, amazing moment. Eddie had just kicked his tongue cancer. Yeah, he had mouth and tongue cancer. He middle of the show, he goes, "I want to thank all my doctors at Sloan Kettering." For, for curing me of the cancer. I want to bring them all up on stage. I want you to give them a round of applause. Wind, winds up all these guys in white coats. Thank you. And shakes their hand, thanking them for curing him of mouth, tongue, and throat cancer while smoking a cigarette. <laughs> um, on stage, I'll never forget it. I love these guys. They cured my tongue cancer while he's puffing. In the samurai hair. Couldn't make it up. And yeah, yeah, it's still here to tell the story, though. Huh? And and thankfully, sober and together and yeah. great now. I mean, I really like the last record, and and he, that was the only tour I saw him like that. Recently, I I saw him. He's been playing unbelievably. So it's good to see these guys. You know, there's a certain kind of like we have all these great stories of having seen them whacked out of their head, and they're right. kind of fun to tell. But same with Ace, who you know people have the stories as well. But it's nice to know. I mean, these guys are up there now that we want them around still making music. We actually did a gig uh, when I was doing radio in, in Florida that we fucking booked Ace to come in to do one song. And he was, you know, laying down. And the band there, this band called Stranger, a really great rock and roll band, kind of had to reteach him rock and roll all night so he could come out and play. Oh, fuck, man. Because this was like, you know, 91 or something. He comes out on stage, no shit, and this was like an all-day thing, crushed it so fucking big that people were going crazy. You mean he played well? He played unbelievable. Everybody loved him, and then he was backstage and in the same condition he was. But the time that he was out there, fucking killed it, and everybody went fucking nuts. Well, I tell this story because uh, I think it's in this new book. and I, It's in the new book, and Ace's autobiography, which came out last year, he tell he had me write a story for him in that book, and Ace was always like that. You would think 
you'd look at him five minutes before he'd have to do something. You're like, this guy can't even get off of the, ch- the, the chair. Right. Then when the light came on, it was like knocked exactly it out of the park. Happened. And then as soon as the light goes off, he just melts again. Yeah. And he, I, I mentioned that to him once. And he goes, I'll fucking professional. I'll fucking do it. I'm ready to fucking do it, man. But I mean, I revived him. There's a, a classic story that I gave him for his book. And I may have written my uh, it in my in this new one. I can't remember which one, but you know, I was running around with him, for, repping him from a, from a record label standpoint in the late '80s. And we'd get up to to radio stations and be in the back of a limo. I'm like, dude, you got to get in there and do this. And he'd be just like, whatever. See, I, I've told you this before. I'm oblivious to drugs and, and mm-hmm. alcohol because I thankfully never had a problem. But I'm like shaking. I'm like, you got to get in there and do this. And there's one time he just looks at me in his haze. And he goes, fish sandwich. I'm like, what? What? He goes, fucking McDonald's driver, two fish fucking sandwiches. <laughs> I'm like, what? I tell the driver, I go, get to the McDonald's drive thru. Get a sack of fish sandwiches. Throws him in the back of the limo. Ace starts biting into him, tartar sauce falling all over the place and shit. And he's like, finishes the fish sandwiches, went in, knocked out the interview like nothing happened. Got back in the car, was a mess again. It was all, uh, yeah. He needed the fish sandwich to revive him. It's a miracle. It's a miracle sandwich. <laughs> It's a miracle sandwich. I'm trying to think. I saw a band where the lead singer disappears behind the fucking thing, comes out, nose is bleeding, oh, Jesus. and starts to fucking hold a towel up, and then ended up doing three songs laying down. And that was Uriah Heep. And that would have been in the fucking like mid seventies. <laughs> but to have the balls to sit there and just be holding a fucking towel up to the nose. It's hysterical. Well you know why great. you know why Steven Tyler had all the scarves on the microphone, right? Which is his trademark. He you know, to this day he, his trademark is his mic stand has all these scarves hanging from it. Because they had pockets sewn in them. So that while he was holding the mic stand, and st- he could use his finger and pull up the pills that he'd have stashed in the pockets in the scarves. And, you know, just turn his back to the crowd and pop whatever he needed to pop. Did he have it time to make it through a show? Or I was assume, just improvising? I, I assume <laughs> that each scarf had a whatever up or downer he needed wherever he was feeling in the show. But that's how that started with scarves on the mic stand because he would hide his drugs in there. Eddie Trunks is essential hard rock and heavy metal. Volume 2, uh, you can get this all over. And Eddie is going to be uh, touring around the country. Your chance to get your book signed. Starts off tomorrow night at the Hard Rock in Times Square. Thanks to our buddy Hard Rock Johnny for hosting the event and the kickoff and all that. And uh, we're going to have a little get-together afterwards and have a little toast to the book coming out. So hopefully you guys can make it as well. We will be there. Appreciate we're definitely going to be it's there. It's always good to hang with We you guys. never miss one of your book signings. <laughs> There's only been two, but good <laughs> well, thing I don't do them more often. Be a aunt's, lot of pressure. Your aunt's going to be there with cookies, right? My, funny you said that. Ronnie, for people that don't know the backstory, my, my Aunt Pauline, who was born in Italy... And uh, has only been to New York City once in her life since coming into Ellis Island. One time. I mean, and it was for my first book two years ago at the Hard Rock. And my, my last night, my wife answers the phone. It's Aunt Pauline. She wants to know if she should make cookies. She's definitely. coming yes. again. Yeah, definitely. And she make wanted cookies. to know if she should make them for John, Johnny Hard Rock. <laughs> and I said, well, he can only eat like one. <laughs> yeah, right. But you can bring a big platter and everybody can have some. Maybe what we could do is put it in a blender and then he could have some through a straw. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's uh, so not fun to go eat with anymore. No, it's changed, oh, right? Oh, God. Also, I'll, just order, I'll just order the bacon appetizer. What? <laughs> also on Twitter, it's at Eddie Trunk, at Eddie Trunk on Twitter. Yeah, that's for all the first responders out there. Now, you love doing these kind of book tours, right? You love getting out and meeting the people. I, lo I just came, I was on the road with Motley last week. I did three shows with Motley Crue. It wasn't a book tour, but I hosted three shows with them. And I love just getting out on the road and meeting people, period, whether it's for the book or what have you. The first book, I didn't actually, the, the book, the, the run of book signings kind of came a little bit after the book was out because nobody really anticipated as well as it was going to do. Right. This one is different in that we're totally set up and I'm starting tomorrow and then ending in Vegas on the 4th the 4th of October. So the dates are on my site and I hope to add more. A lot of people have said, "Hey, you're missing um, of course I'm missing some big cities. I'm missing Texas, Florida, San Francisco states and cities." Over time I hope to get there, but um, right now I can only do these dates because um, I'm going to Brazil for the first time next month. I'm That's going to Sao Paulo. And that's where they really love this music. Supposedly crazy over this music and my my uh, that metal show scene in, in, in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So a promoter reached out to me and asked me if I'd come there and host a festival. So I'm going to go there for a week in the middle of all this. And then um, I already got a signing in Boston. I'm, I'm going to be announcing soon and then into November more. But as I tell everybody, I'd really appreciate if you're going to get this book to get it either you know this week or very soon. And then, of course, if I come and do a signing, you have it already. Just bring it and I'll still right. sign it. Because uh, the the idea is to try to sell as many of these in the next week or two as we can because, you know, everybody thinks that we have a pretty good sh uh, shot at some great chart positions. So. Well, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. That would be fantastic. So run out and pick it up. Uh, and wherever and you're listening, you can always go to Amazon if you don't have a bookstore near you. Because sure. unfortunately, like record stores, there's not as many. But um, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, they all have it as well. Uh, at iTunes. Eddie Trunk for the first responders. And uh, over again uh, on Eddie's website to keep up where all of his um, signings going to be, eddietrunk.com. How's everything going with Motley Crue right now? Good. They, you know, they're going to end soon. They're going to say goodbye. They're going to do a farewell. And they swear it's not going to be like the Who or Kiss farewell. They're going right. to actually end. And uh, I spoke to Nikki about it, and uh, they are going to. They want to. They want to end for a couple reasons. First of all. And it's true. How many bands can you name that still have the original four guys that started mm -hmm. the band? It's very, very rare. One hand, maybe. And they're one. So they want to end while they're at the top. That They're all four original guys. Um, and, you know, Mick Mars, their, their guitarist, has a real bad health issue with yeah. his back and his this disease he has. So Mick's get, it's getting harder for Mick to move around. And Nicky's got a lot of other stuff going. I mean, Vince does solo shows, and Nicky's got um, 6 a.m. now, which is actually at radio, a pretty big band for him. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they want to end on top. They don't want to drag it through the mud. They want to end with all four original guys. So they're going to do one more album, one more tour, and say goodbye. But it's really funny, though, because... Uh, I had some friends come out to these three shows in Oklahoma that, that live out there and met me. And I said, yeah, come backstage. And, you know, the idea of coming backstage in a Motley Crue show, you think it's chicks and drugs and insanity mm -hmm. and, you know, midgets swinging from ropes. And, I mean, it couldn't be more mellow. Everybody's just walking around 
drinking Fiji water and right. you know, got a towel over their head. Yeah, and everybody's got their own little catch. dressing room and yeah. like, oh yeah, come in, let's have a carrot stick and have some water and talk. Yeah, uh, because everybody's older and wiser now. They got to take care of themselves, and well, I get that. When it used to be crazy backstage, we're talking about all those disappointing shows yeah. that we went to see. So yeah, was it probably more fun for them? Absolutely, but there was some really bad shows. Uh, back when everyone was getting fucked up. Yeah. Yep, tons. And they I'm, really did, in a, in a lot of ways, uh, just not think to themselves, any of this is important. Now, years later, they're looking back going, I mean, think of how many bands that kind of missed opportunities um, and had to take 10 years in between. You know, before they could get their shit back together. Well, and, and Ace, as as close as I am with Ace, I can look at it objectively. And Ace, you know, Ace wasted a lot of great opportunities, you know, and, and of, of his issues. Same with Peter. You know, if you read Peter Chris's book, which was phenomenal, came out mm. earlier this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, these guys really... You're living in the moment, you know, I guess. And now you can look back on it and be like, you know... All right, but I wonder what the record for most great albums in a row could possibly be. Because there's a plenty of bands that'll hit three, the, a rare band that'll hit four, but has anybody really put out five great fucking albums in a row? Well, Van Halen, I always say first four, because then when Diver Down came around, it started getting into a lot of covers. Mm -hmm. You know, that record's Filler. like 28 minutes long, and five songs are covers or whatever. So Van Halen, I'll give the first four to. Um, there's a band featured in my new book called Y&T, which I love their first four records. Aerosmith? Aerosmith, maybe? The fourth album is Rocks. All right, and the fifth album? Well, I'll draw the line. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Although there's great stuff on it. They were so out of their gourd, they didn't even know they finished it. Right, it's still not a perfect right. 10 of an album. So you're looking for five. If you could, Has anyone ever sat down and did five albums that you would say were all excellent? Um, when the Pixies came back and they said they had nothing, what was that, four albums when they were together? Four albums, yeah. Yeah, never made the fifth. Nope. Never made the they fifth. They couldn't get through it. What about the Black Francis solo career? Anything there? Uh, <laughs> Little dicey? Not the Pixies. <laughs> um, they were in here the other day. The they Pixies? Have, yeah, they don't have Kim with I, them. I interviewed uh, Frank Black. Was that the same as pulling his teeth? <laughs> what? Same as taking a pair of pliers? Oh, it's, yeah, tough to it was fine with me. It was on TV years ago. But, Is that right? Yeah. Oh, uh, when you were a VH1? VH1 Classic before that metal show, yeah. Yeah, but you only got to do, what, six minutes there? No, I did like an hour. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. And I'm not a big fan. I don't even know this stuff that well, but I... <laughs> shit, I can talk to anybody. I can almost get Fez to talk if you give me five minutes. Eddie Trunk's new book. <laughs> Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal Volume 2 in stores everywhere and online. EddieTrunk.com for book tour dates and at Eddie Trunk on Twitter. As long as he keeps plugging me, he can talk as much as he wants. You know, remember when he said how outgoing he was the other night? We were all having a great time with him. He told us today he was on Xanax. Oh. So we got to do that more often. Yeah. That's our new thing. Eddie, good to see you. I'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks Eddie, for having book, me, guys. Appreciate signing. it. Always fun. Uh, see you next time coming through. See all you guys tomorrow.
It's the Hopper from Dish Network. It's the only DVR system where you can watch your recorded program and live events anywhere you're at. Because the Hopper, you can program that to work with your tablet, laptop, smartphone. So anywhere you go, maybe you're someone that doesn't have an 0-3 NFL team that they cheer for. Maybe you're someone who can't get to a TV to watch the game. Program the Hopper, watch it on your smartphone, watch it on your tablet, watch it on your laptop. Anywhere you want to be, that's where the Hopper goes. You have your TV anywhere with you. Any room becomes a TV room with the Hopper from Dish Network. Packages start from just $29.99, and you call 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV to get yourself the Hopper from Dish Network. Turn any room into a TV room with the Hopper from Dish. 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV.